I don't know what your plans are for the July 4th weekend. I, I will still be here yes. uh, through July 4th, taking off actually on my birthday to 5th uh, for the Atlantic City uh, Junket. And uh, that, that's with a bunch of altacockers. It's always kind of interesting to uh, board that plane and realize that at, I'll be 71 that day that I'm the youngest guy on the plane. <laughs> that's funny. I love that. Man. You talk about Con Air, man. That's that plane should just have a skull and crossbones. On it. <laughs> Never mind, uh, you know, some kind of symbol of uh, what the airlines is all about. I mean, it just—it's kind of like uh, you know, there's a pretty good chance that somebody might check out on the flight. Oh Jesus! With uh, you know the people <laughs> oh, no. that are going on it. Oh, no. We have a medical emergency. We're going to be landing in Tampa. Oh, okay, great. What is it? And then you look back in row 16. There's a guy like. You know, having a seizure. No, yeah. No, no, no. yeah, you never know if that plane's going to take off on time because uh, there's usually somebody that has to get off. Oh, you know, at the last second, you know, they, they start shaking. And, uh, they, they, you know, we'll be slightly delayed here today as the paramedics have to board the plane. All right, clear the aisle. <laughs> you get your uh, chart of flight. The time. Wake up with Defoe. Joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. Good morning, world. Hopefully everyone's having a great week so far. Uh, I don't know. Defo loves to call it a beautiful morning. I don't know if it's beautiful. It's dark. It's just coming to. So I think it's been beautiful. We haven't had so so much rain. Um, thank goodness, because we've had work on our, our ceiling uh, at our house. So uh, I'm glad it hasn't rained because there's some kind of a roof thing. It's fun. It's, living in a complex with an association is a good time. You pay them a lot of money each month. You never really use them. And then when you use them, um, you have to do all the work and they may or may not cover the costs. It's fun. So uh, hopefully your week is going spectacularly. It was a great 4th of July weekend. It's been a lot of fun doing this thing by myself. But I definitely look forward to the day that the one and only Defoe is back. Uh, and that'll be Monday morning. Today we have the Hialeah Park Trivia Challenge. So give us a call, 954 417 Zero zero seven zero. If I don't get to you, since I'm talking, all right. So I will get back to you. I promise. We always do. So uh, we love to get you in on the action. Give us a call nine five four four one seven zero zero seven zero, and I'll get right back to you in the break. The one and only Dave Gurg- the one and only Dave Gurgles Gurgly will be joining me for your trivia action at about seven thirty. So get in on the lines or, or get ready to get in on the lines. It's more likely it, um, and. We will get to that. Uh, the sports world is, this is a slow time. Baseball's going on. It's funny. This would have been a huge series if people gave a crap about the Marlins. <laughs> like, you had two days ago, Sandy Alcantara versus Syndergaard. A lot of people forgot him. He was great with the Mets. He was oft injured, took a lot of money to go to the Angels. Hasn't been great, but was good, really good. He's been okay, pretty good this year, and was really good Tuesday night. Sadly for him, he was going up against the best pitcher in baseball right now, at least by uh, stats. Sandy Alcantara is the Marlins ace. He is a guy that should, by all accounts, start the NL, start the All-Star game for the National League. And he's the front runner for the Cy Young right now in the National League, uh, leading the, I think, majors in ERA with a 1.89 ERA. Might be even less. Might be 1.82, actually, after Tuesday night. Um, and the Marlins, that was a big win. Pitcher's duel. You had a couple home runs. You had everything that the modern-day game gives you 
in baseball. Marlins got to win six in a row, just one game under five hundred, and within three of the wild card. Well, last night you got the other major reason as to why this series would be a big deal. Yes, one Mike Trout is all around probably the best player in the game. I know, I know, Aaron Judge is hitting eighty five home runs, and he's Paul Bunyan. He's still not Trout. <laughs> Trout is as good a defender as we have in this league. He's a good base runner. Uh, plays like every game. Doesn't talk. Doesn't say anything. And even though his team really has let him down, he just keeps going. And is as good an all-around hitter, whether it's power, actually hits for contact, hits for average, heaven forbid, in 2022. Um, Mike Trout's the best player in baseball all around. You have Mike Trout here with the Angels. You also have the guy who is... Probably the greatest show. We talk about Tyreek Hill being the greatest electric, most electric player in football. That's what Otani is. <laughs> like, he's as good hitting as he is pitching. Well, he, all that was on display last night, he had two RBIs, stole a base as a hitter, and then as a pitcher, went seven. Sc- they gave up a run. He had went seven unearned runs, innings. So he pitched seven innings without giving up an earned run, as I think like a ridiculous amount of innings in a row he's done that. Had, I think, 10 Ks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he had uh, double-digit Ks or something like that. It was ridiculous. Scattered two hits, um, and his ERA is around two-something, while being the reigning MVP and offensively being as good, if not better, than he was last year. So that's it's the kind of series that would be pretty electric. The Marlins were in the game. Marlins had an early lead. Yeah, they lost 5-2, but it's the kind of thing that would be a big deal. You know, you have the Angels coming down. You have the Marlins sniffing around the wild card. The Marlins sniffing around 500. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> Like, this is when Andy, to Andy's point, like, New York, it doesn't matter. They always care. Yeah, but the Yankees usually are competitive. Even when they're down, they're competitive. Like, you have an idea that they're probably going to be in the playoffs. Because, again, they've been around 100 years. I think they, and now, at this point, they've been around 120 years. You know? Like, when you build up history, look, the Dolphins, it took, the Dolphins being mediocre to bad for 20-plus years for the fans to finally slow down. And even then, they still get good support. And... If you bring up the Dolphins, people do care a little. That's the only team we have here that's been around 50 years or more. What is it, 60-something years now? Um, like, that that's the thing. We don't have that down here. So if you're not winning, like right now, I'm going to talk. I will eventually talk about Donovan Mitchell and Miami Heat. When I post that today on Five Reasons, when I, when I go to Five Reasons and I t- do our local talk, when I talk Dolphins, we get some reaction. When I talk Panthers, when I talk Marlins, we get crickets. When I talk Heat, woof, explosion. Now I get it. It's probably a little bit, it's an audience that is in an age range, but this audience I feel is a little bit older. That audience is younger. That audience really doesn't know any winners. The Canes haven't won in their lifetime. If you're 25 and under, the Canes haven't won, the Dolphins haven't won, the Panthers haven't won, the Marlins won, but so sporadically that it felt like they never won. So in your lifetime, the Heat have won a lot. So they're the only team you care about. And the Heat make the offseason fun, like we've talked about a lot this week. So um, I will get to that. But to me, it's the offseason. So that should be like the fifth thing. Like there's a lot of the Wimbledon's going on. Nadal, who was down to Fritz, an American, which I was really excited about. Nadal, who was banged up and hurt to the American, down, went five sets in a war, in a bloodbath, and won. Even though he's so hurt, he may not be able to play versus Nikirios in the semifinals. That shows you what American tennis is. The guy was up on a hurt old man and wasn't able to win. So that's sort of why Americans like me don't give a shit anymore. And it's not a good reason because you still have Nadal there and you 
have I know the young crop and whatever. It it's weird, but without the American man there, it's made just tennis in general a lot more boring. The women, yeah, there are American women that flirt with it, you know, Coco Golf flirt, but they don't win. So I I don't know why, but like when our our country's not represented as strongly for some reason, it makes it a little less boring. For soccer, I don't care because the men's soccer team sucked. You know, so like the World Cup you can get into because you don't have any expectations for men. But tennis, it was always the men. Yeah, like Laver wasn't American and, um, you know, some of the greats weren't American, but there usually was Americans right there contending, men and women. We haven't had that for like 20 years. I mean, Andrew Roddick was early 2000s and he won one Grand Slam. Like we even had that. So it's precipitously fallen off to the point where I, I knew it was late in Wimbledon. I didn't realize it was the quarters leading to the semis already. Like, I even I didn't realize that. So, but that is going on, and that is a grand slam event in tennis. You have uh, the baseball continuing to go on. You have Baker Mayfield. Football is a month away, right? Football is literally a m- less than a month away. Camps open up, I think, this week. This week and next week, camp op- camps open up. So you're actually getting to the season. Uh, the preseason starts in less than a month. We're still seeing moves. So to me, that's even bigger than NBA offseason. Literally started a week ago. Like the Warriors won the, had their parade a week ago and won the title a week and a half ago. And I love the Heat again, but to me, that's why that's like fifth or sixth. But down here in South Florida, we don't care about anything except for, no, 7-7. Seven, seven. I don't know what that means. 7-7 seven, is a lucky day? Well, lucky day today. Look at you. Oh, yeah, the hoop squad. Oh, that and that's something I do want to get to, actually. Yes, I, I've talked about this this week. I do coach my nephew's basketball team. I am the head coach. My brother-in-law is an assistant. My dad is an assistant in name. He hasn't that much assisting. Um, but my brother-in-law, my nephew's father, is is my assistant, and he's been highly involved, and he's helped a lot. He doesn't know sport. He's not into sports at all. He really doesn't know basketball. But I'll give him – he throws himself into these things, and I, he's giving me, giving me someone to bounce stuff off of. And when I'm really frustrated, he can just be there. And he his voice is louder than mine. Like, I have to yell to get my voice heard. He can just talk to have his voice heard. So he's helpful. Um, but it's very interesting to me because, like, if anyone's watched me watch sports, if anyone, you you all have found us, so you've heard about me talk sports. Even when Defo's here, I might not talk as much. I get my, my opinion in. Um, I'm very competitive, and I take it very seriously. I admit that. But for some reason, like youth sports, I'm able to understand. It's youth sports. Like, even AAU, okay, that's one thing. Like, you pay a crap load of money. It's traveling. There's a lot of time into it. Yeah, you don't want to totally annihilate the kids, eviscerate the kids, but that's more real deal. But, like, rec league? Rec league, eight and under? Like, literally, when I had my first, like, meeting with the kids and the parents, I said two things. One, I'm going to yell because I'll never yell at them. I'll never be mad at them. It's literally... Kids basketball, but I want them to hear me and I want them to get better and I want them to learn and grow. And a lot of the time, the only way to do that is for me to yell. So I'm going to yell. I'm telling you right now, please don't take it seriously. I apologize ahead of time and throughout the season, I will apologize for it. But yelling will happen. I know we're in a different day and age. You can't yell, whatever, don't yell. I'll never yell at the kids. I will never, but I'll yell so that they can hear me. Okay. So I said this in the first meeting and then I also said, remember, it's eight and unders boys basketball. I know once the game goes, you get excited, you get into it. I get it. We all want to win. But remember, again, this isn't Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. This is not 
the Boston Celtics. And they, this, there's no money on the line here. Like, and you pay your fees so that they can have fun. The idea is to learn the game and have fun. I'm, I'm not, oh, everyone's a winner. No, whatever. You know, like games get lost. But to me, it's about at eight and under, 12 and under, 14 and under, fine. Eight and under, believe Eight and under now is like six. Like when I was growing up, you started playing with a ball by like one years old. Even by three and four, you were already like messing around. These kids are a whole different breed. Like they, because of phones. Like, yeah, I had video games. We had Sega and Nintendo. Or when I was growing up, Nintendo and then Sega when I got to middle school. But like you had video games, but we didn't have screen. Like we weren't on a screen. By three years old, one to two years old, we didn't know, we didn't have a YouTube. Like my nephew had, my nephews at one years old were able to like futz with the phone and do YouTube. We didn't have that. We were playing. Like, that's what we did, play. And you were outside playing, even at an early age. By the age of three and four, I was playing sports, catching the ball, throwing it. You know, like, these kids will be six and seven and still not playing outside. Like, it gets to, like, they'll be eight to ten, and it's the first time they're dribbling a basketball. So your expectations are really low, at least for me. Like, I've been around, you know, I have a lot of nephews. My buddies have kids, and my sister has kids. So a lot of kids... Uh, you know, I'm Uncle Mike, so, like, I'm aware of what to expect from these kids. So, to me, it's eight and under boys basketball. I said this, I made it clear, and I'm going with it. You know, I want to win and be cool, but to me, I want them to learn. Like, I've watched my nephew in these other sports I haven't coached, and these coaches, one, all they care about is winning. One, all they care about is, like, the good players playing well and everyone else who gives a shit. And then on top of that, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, it's like, okay, like, what is it? Which is fine. You get volunteers. Like if someone's volunteering, you get what you get. But like they'll be up ten nothing, and they're gonna call the game, and they'll want their team's up. They haven't gotten a bat, but that's how the sport works of baseball. Like when you're up and the game's getting called, it's okay. You won, right? No, we want to get our bat. You know, run different like weird things that don't matter in rec league, and you're up ten nothing. And it's like, okay, what are you teaching any of these kids? Like, I, I'm not, I wasn't always the best sport, but like, to me, all you sports is, is learning the game, trying to grow the game, grow your game, have fun, and, you know, wanting to keep playing. Like, that's the idea, to want to keep playing. Like, these coaches, oh my God. Like, it, what's so funny is, I'm the least raving lunatic. I am. But I never, my kids commit a foul. I'm never mad at the ref for it. I'm never mad at the kid. I'm like, look, okay, this is what happened. I'm trying to explain it to them. You know, hands up. You can't lean on them. You can't grab them. The other team, is, we've had two games in a row where the other team literally was tackling my kids. And a lot of you say, good for them. This isn't, first of all, first of all, I was well-versed in Nick's heat. Nick's heat were pussycats compared to what the hell I see these kids do. Like, Aggressiveness within the game is what my kids do. Going and slapping and tackling and so I don't see it, but supposedly there's punches thrown and stomping and kicking. Like kids don't just know to do that, right? Like you're coached to do that. What the fuck? How insane are you that you're coaching kids to be violent? I, 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 I like literally the parents for my team. I have to yell, calm them down the last two games from the sideline because they're freaking out. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I know the teams are aggressive, but I don't care. My team's aggressive and we win. So I don't give a shit, you know, about the other team. But then I start noticing they're putting my kids in headlocks. They're tugging on them and bring them to the ground. Like, it's like the Pistons in the 80s if they really were allowed to go. <laughs> like, like, the most physical teams ever would look at these teams in eight and under sunrise basketball and go, Jesus. You know, like... 
And what's interesting to me is the parents don't care and the coaches don't care. Like my kids, I make it a point. I want them to play, win, learn, have fun. But you're going to do the right way. You're going to do it the right fucking way. These are the kids. Literally, I'm yelling. I, 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 it gets to the fourth quarter and three kids take out one of my kids. Like they take him out. And I, I look over and the coaches <laughs> for the other team are like, he fell. And that was the end of it for me. I didn't say it. My sister is in the stands losing it. My mother's in the stands losing it all game. I don't say anything because I don't care. Like, to me, it's about my kids playing the right way. Don't retaliate. I'll talk. And, I, and I've learned, you know what? Because I coached on and off for like 15 years in youth basketball. So it's like, okay. I usually just yell. Don't yell at the ref. Do what the NBA people do. Work work the ref. Right? Talk to them. So I'm like, look, you know the number eight is hip checking. Like, literally hip checking, which I didn't even know you could do in basketball. In hockey, you're not allowed to do it, but they do it. In basketball, you don't hip check. It, like, you could hurt someone hip checking. Someone's running full speed, you hip check them, they could fly. Like you, you don't, those are things you're not supposed to do. Yeah, it might happen in the NBA, like because they're getting paid a lot of money, but you'll get fouls for it. Like this one kid's hip checking the whole game and they're not calling fouls for it and they're not even recognizing it. So I'm like, that's weird. Like my kids will do this to call a foul. Fine. It's not egregious, but okay, I get it. And I would say, look, remember, hands up, don't. Okay. These kids are hip checking repeatedly. And I'm like, I don't know how to even know to hip check. Like I wouldn't even know to do that. So eventually, when they this this these coaches were like, "Oh, he fell." I'm like, "Okay." So I look at them and I'm like, "You know, you guys have been doing that. Your kids have been doing it all game. Like they were literally, like I've never seen this strategy when the kid has the ball, go for the jump ball. Like just play defense. Like look, my team's good. We're five and zero, but still, you can still play defense. No, but they would do, and they're not just going for the jump ball like on the ground. They'd go from around, which is a foul. And they were doing it all game. So eventually, I look at these coaches, and I'm like, you guys have been doing it all game. They look at me. Oh, my God. They got mad at me because I called them out for the bullshit their kids were doing that they had to teach them. Because I'm telling you right now, I've been coaching, again, on and off since I'm 25 years old. 24, actually. I, I, a season here and there off. But for the most part, almost every year between my buddy's kids and then now my sister's kid, I've been coaching youth basketball and I've never seen this. Like, kids are aggressive. Kids do things that are fouls, but at least they're going for the ball. Like, the last two games we've played, the kids literally, they're not going for the ball. They're going for the kid. Punches, stomping, yanking, tackling. I'm like, what sport? Like, even in football, you're not allowed to do this. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not even, it's like, U I don't even know the sport. UFC is what it's like. Like, and I was like, okay, maybe I missed something. And I talked to the parents, like, oh, no, it was bad. Like, my wife, the last game, is my nephew's aunt, My and she's competitive. She goes in before every game, make sure you win. I'm like, okay, whatever, it's eight and under. We, hopefully we'll win, but whatever. She's, the whole last game, because this other team was rough. Like, they're literally, I, again, I didn't, I couldn't see it. My one kid is, like, pushing kids because he's pissed. So my wife's like, you understand that they were punching them and stomping on them. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, like, on the ground. First, they take them to the ground. Then on the ground, they would work them like it was a UFC. They were doing ground game. And they were like punching them and kicking. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, literally, to me, the most important thing is these kids wanting to play basketball. If you're this, they don't have pads. They're not trained to withstand bodily injury. <laughs> like, and so, oh, anyways, to get back to, so the, the other coaches get mad at me. They're like, what are you talking about? He He's moving around. I'm like, I don't know. Like, oh, they've never played or watched basketball in their life. Like, the doing this with the ball when people are tackling you doesn't mean you did something wrong. Like, in their mind, it's like, well, because he's doing this, they're allowed to just slap at him. 
Because if he's moving, the ball's not easily there. So they have to just slap around. Like, what? That's not, that, that's not, that's not even good defense. Like, when he, my kids, when I coach them enough to learn, they're going to go right by your stupid ass kid who's slapping. Like, that's not defense. You're not even going for the ball. You're going for the man. One, it's a foul. Two, it's an egregious foul. Three, it's stupid ass defense. I'm like, so I'm like, okay, so they don't know basketball at all. Like, they, they not only don't know how to coach, which none of these people know how to coach, and that's fine, but because some of the best players ever don't know how to coach. They don't know, good morning, my friends, they don't know how to play. I'm like, the most physical defenses ever in NBA history don't just slap. Like, they would literally just slap, like hit the kid in the back, hit the kid in the side, hit the kid in the arm, and hopefully they got a little bit of ball because he was doing this. And I'm like, what? Like, I literally, I didn't even respond to them. I turned around. I got back into the game. But every time some kind of contact happened, I talked to the ref, and they would, don't whine. I'm like, don't whine? I'm like, what are you talking like, So you're a grown man and woman. It was a, a woman who was loud. And another guy who was more mild-mannered. But, like, I, I don't know what, I don't think they understand what's going on, I guess. I, I don't know. But don't whine. I'm like, okay, so you're a grown adult talking to another grown adult in front of children and they're mauling children, which is not a part of any game, let alone, <laughs> okay, it's not a part of any game, let alone youth sports. And I'm like, why? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, first of all, it's my job to protect my kids. And my, my kids have to know that because if they don't, then they're going to go take it out on other kids. And that's not how sports are played. Never. I don't give a shit. Good or bad. You never, because again, and it's funny, I, it's what's happened in the last two games. And we see on the professional level, we see it in college, high school. The person who retaliates is always the one that gets in trouble. The person who shoves the crap out of you, throws an elbow, the ref never sees it. When you're like, what the fuck? And you push them back, that's the thing that the ref always sees. You understand, if you're kicking their ass, they're frustrated. So they're taking the frustration out on you. Don't let them. So I've got my kids, so they've gotten better. But if I don't stand up for them, then they're going to do that. So it's my job. So that's why I'm like, so these coaches don't get it. Like, it's my job to work the refs. You should work the refs too. <laughs> like, I don't know what the hell to tell you. If your kids are tackling my kids, my kids tackle your kids. You should say, ref, they're tackling my kids. Like, the whole game, they're fouling the crap out of my kids. It's my job to talk to the ref. So I was like, I don't even know what he means by whine. I, I don't, I guess to telling them that their kids are violent. But I'm like, but they were. <laughs> like, my kid fouls a kid. They're like, see? I'm like, yeah, it was a foul. They should call it. And I will, you'll see me talk to my, my player and say, look, man, don't do that. Honestly, if you had just put your hands up, he, they wouldn't have scored. You going for the foul, they had no shot at scoring. You gave them a score. Don't give them a score. Don't give them free throws. Don't give them anything. You know, these people don't whine. I'm like, I'm like oh, you don't know anything about basketball. I'm like, Ugh. so it's like, okay, to fight with them is dumb. But if I don't fight with them and their kids keep mauling my kids, then I'm not doing my job. So the whole fourth quarter, we're going back and forth, literally fighting with coaches, even though we're grown-ass adults. What I'll say is my parents are great. Now, again, I've done this enough that I, I did the preamble before the season. I'm like, look, I'm going to let them know I'm yelling just so that they don't think I'm trying to be mean. I'm going to let them know I care. I'm going to let them know winning's cool, but they need to learn the game, especially eight and under. Four, I coached a 14-year-old team. Okay, that was a little different. Like, we got to the championship game. They were one kid that was like LeBron, and he was allowed to travel. He was allowed to tackle. He was allowed to do whatever he wanted. Our kids looked at you, and it was a foul. We got into it. We lost in a close game. That was, a, okay, 14 under. These kids are going, or either in high school. Fine, whatever. It's still to me, rec league, but whatever. Eight and under. Like, come on. 
So literally, the one lady screaming and yelling, and I'm like, my brother-in-law, who barely knows the sport, jumps in over me. He's like, they're kids. <laughs> like, hello. And then my this is my favorite line. My favorite line. And the one guy goes, yeah, they're kids. I'm like, I don't know. What is that? He's like, they should be able to play. I'm like, be able to play? I'm like, they're not able to play. I'm like, I don't know what. I'm like, is it wrestling? Like, I know that there is youth wrestling now, which is crazy to me, but like, I didn't know this was wrestling. Like, my nephew's a big kid. He'll fuck the shit out of, he'll fuck up some kids. Like, my nephew is like six, but like a big dude, and he's strong, and he can get angry fast. And if I tell him, go tackle a kid, he'll tackle a kid. So, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's, it's you, it's kids. I'm like, yeah, it's kids. Like, duh, it's kids. Okay, it's eight and under boys, kids, basketball. Like, it shouldn't be UFC. Like, what do you like? And the idea is okay. Well, if they're adults, it's okay. No, if it's, that's the funny thing. Like, if you watch an adult game, you're not you don't get away with anything. So the kids are allowed to do more. Like that makes no sense. And kids don't know to just foul. Kids know to go for it and may foul. But like the stuff that the last two teams have done, you're teaching them. Yeah, go tackle them. It's like, am I doing something wrong? So I literally call my sister after, who's the mother of my nephew, and I'm like. And my miss, she's like, Michael, why are you analyzing this? I'm like, because I do, I want to make sure I'm coaching my team right. She's like, yeah, you're doing a great job. She's like, they learn, they care, they don't do the crazy stuff. These other teams are crazy. Like, these coaches don't know what the hell they're doing, and they're obviously telling the kids to do this. That's why when you call them out, they get mad because they're defensive. You're calling them out on their bullshit, and they know it's wrong. They know as adults they should be setting a good example, but they don't care. They, like, there's, look, and then what's so funny is I grew up, I grew up with the mentality of the world's hard, you know, and I know we have this, we're soft on our kids, whatever. I don't think it's soft as much as we're just trying to grow human beings and not psychopaths, but there is a, you know, there's a line where you don't want to give your kid everything. You don't want to spoil them as much as the world for Gen Zers is, is easier. Who knows if that'll continue. So like, I get that mentality. Like they got to be able to be tough, but it's ain't under basketball. You want them to play the game. You don't want them to be scared to death of playing again. So went on the tangent. Andy brought it up. I just, it's something that bothered me because we, we've heard about parents sucking for youth sports for years. What I'll say is in the years I've coached, I've been really lucky. Like we, we've won a lot. Um, when I've coached my nephew last year, we didn't win, but the parents were cool. Like I've never had the parent that's asking for more playing time or the parent that's a, a jerk off. Like I've never had that. But what I have seen is the coaches. Like, this is their Super Bowl. Like, they, they, the way they coach you sports is like, come on. It's like, dude, literally the last team strategy was to chuck it up from half court and hope it went in. I'm like, what? Like, so you're having four kids stand there do nothing? I'm like, the point of this is for them to learn basketball. Like, it's not about hopefully it goes in and you win. Like, so anyways, that's my soapbox. Uh, this is a highly apart trivia challenge Thursday. The one and only Dave Gurgle Gurgly is standing by to jump in. If you want to get in on the action, you guys all seem to enjoy my ranting about youth sports. <laughs> it's just weird. Like, uh, I, I had seen, look, I as a fan am a lunatic when I'm yelling f- from the sidelines when I watch my nephew. I admit it. Um, I've heard about the parents. I didn't think about coaches. Like, I'd always had coaches that were cool. Like, they didn't coach us to, <laughs> like, kids will flop. They'll ta- Like, I-, I never got that. Like, and I'll never do it. Like, I, I will never coach my kids to do that because, like, that's not the game. On any level, youth, high school, college, NBA, you're not supposed to tackle people. Like, what the hell's the point of that? What's the beauty in that? Like, what's the skill in that? So, I don't know. That's my element. We are 5-0. and <laughs> We won 12-10 to 10 yesterday. And it was a bloodbath. And, again, uh, I, if your kids are in youth sports, 
Don't be that guy and gal. Don't. Okay? Let them enjoy the friggin' game. It's there. They're supposed to have fun. I understand we want to win. You got to teach them life's tough. That's fine. They'll learn it. Just, you know, let them have fun. They're eight and under, 10 and under, 12 and under. They're, they're not playing for a ring. I promise, I promise you I've seen the trophies. They're fine. But it ain't the goddamn BCS national title trophy. Like, that's what they're playing for. So don't, please, as someone who's coached, someone who's watched from the sideline, you want to get involved, fine. Help your kids out. But don't teach them to be jerk-offs, please. This is the Devo Show. No, Devo, just Luby. The Highly Park Trivia, Trivia Challenge is coming up with this gentleman, the one and only Dave Gurgles. Gurgly as he joins us each and every Thursday. Good morning, the one and only Mr. Dave Gurgles Gurgly. Good morning, Mike. Uh, I, uh, I brought something for you I think you might need. Decaf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take it easy. Slow down a little bit. I'm like fired up. As uh, I was a uh, 1975, probably a little before you were born, I was a, a uh, junior high basketball coach oh, and Jesus. coached the kids, I think, grades seven and eight. And uh, we just had a lot of fun, rode the school buses outside of Philadelphia, and we took the game seriously, but uh, not not like uh, people who live vicariously through their children, and we hate to see that, yeah. Well, it's just it's just interesting, like, it's, it, the parents are one thing, and that's fine, but, like, I've actually experienced coaches that, that, like, two years ago, the one coach from the last team who was teaching his kids to play like they were the 1970 Steelers, um, and this, again, is 800 boys basketball, and based, it was T-ball. It was T-ball, and literally, he would just exploit all the rules in, like, a weird way. And I was on the sideline, and I'm like, dude, I don't care if my nephew loses, but, like, what you're doing, it's a jerk move. And it's, it's you're not teaching the kids the game. You're just worrying about winning. Like, they're five. <laughs> like, they should be learning how to play baseball and not, you know, running up the score. So he and I literally, in the middle of a game, and it was one of my not finer moments, are going at it. Like, literally, they had to threaten me. Now I back because I'm trying to be an adult and I'm setting a horrible example at this point he kept going chirping all game and I'm like I'm not doing it you're not getting me but it's just weird to me like what I was always taught have some kind of sportsmanship you want to win but you know respect the game right that's what they always taught you and a lot of these people it's like we need to win I'm like what are you winning <laughs> I just don't get it yeah you have, to, you have to think back to the movie the bad news bears with yes. uh, Walter Matthau, I think his name was Buttermaker, and the opposing coach was a guy that was in combat yep. and later died in a Twilight Zone accident. I forget his name off the top of my head, and he was the guy that tried to win at all costs. And yep. You saw how it worked out. You know, Walter Matthau's kids celebrated. They drank Schlitz together, and you couldn't <laughs> beat it. That's, that's the way it should be, except for drinking the Schlitz together, by right. all means. Right. Yeah, you got to have fun. And I think the kids today don't do enough outdoor sports exactly. with all the video stuff they do. So if you push them in a way where they're going to be angry, you're, you're going to turn them away from the game instead of just enjoying it, by all means. And that's my thing. is I will, And I was talking about it with my wife, who's <clears throat> as competitive as anyone. And even she's like, you, you just try to remind your kids in the middle of the battle to try and have fun. Because you can lose, like you're yelling at them. They want to win. They're worried about the score. They can forget that. Don't worry about this other team. And I asked the one thing is I want them to have fun, but even I have to remind them that it's just, I don't know, it's just it's just a funny thing to watch it firsthand. You see videos on like news broadcasts and you see bloopers and then you're watching and I'm watching. And I'm like this one woman's like the kid, three kids would tackle one of my kids and the woman would be like, yeah, <laughs> like, what are you? Good it's job. Like, right? What are you teaching? <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Hey, on a, 
on a, uh, not to change the subject, yeah, but last night right I went away. down to the Marlins game. Nice. Down to see the oh, Marlins game to see, uh, the Angels. Yeah, it was, and the Marlins were right in it till uh, the pitcher hit uh, Trout, and then uh, Otani got the what turned out to be the lead run. But it was it was probably looked like fifty percent Angel fans last night. You know, at the, at the Marlins ballpark, but a great ballpark to go to. I think the highlight of the night was I went with a couple of buddies of mine, and I bought one. I bought beers for everybody, and they served like sixteen ounce cans of beer right. on a on a little side vendor, and they were fourteen dollars yeah. a piece. Oh yeah, yeah. Luckily, the guy's credit card swipe didn't work on my first card. I gave him another one. That one didn't work. He go. Uh, these three are on me. I gave him a ten spot, so we got three beers for ten bucks. Nice. Must be the best food and beverage bargain <laughs> ever at Marlins Park. I don't know his. I don't know his name for anybody with the Marlins. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It was a, a great experience, fun experience down there. And uh, if you haven't been to a Marlins game lately, you ought to go. Yeah, we haven't. It's funny. I haven't, we used to go with the station. We, we got tickets whenever we wanted, and. Uh, we were the home, so we I would go at least to four to five a year, if not more. It's been a couple years ever since COVID. I sort of like tapped out, but they, that's the funny thing is they don't win all the time. But the experience is great. It's easy to get in, easy to get out. You can see, as opposed to Joe Robbie or Pro Player or Hard Rock, where there were really bad seats. There's not a bad seat. Like you can be in the outfield, you can be by that bar, the Stanton bar. You can be anywhere, and you can see the entire game. Great. Like they they did a great job. It's just. We're in South Florida, but yeah, it's a really good time, and you got to see Otani. Otani set a record. He <clears throat> pitched seven innings, had two RBIs, and had a stolen base, like the first pitcher since like 1923 to do that. Yeah, he, and and he he was pitching, I think, into the seventh, yep. and he was throwing 100 miles an hour into the seventh. And he had a breaking <laughs> ball, a, a cut slider, or a cut curve, and they, the Marlin bit. Well, they looked uh, completely full. This guy is some kind of player. No, he's he's. The first thing we've seen like this since, like, the bait, you know, and the, he's a special player, and I'm glad you got to see him, Gergs. Um, we want you to see us doing some trivia action coming up next. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some <laughs> trivia. I know I've been talking a lot, so people haven't been calling. You can call now, like they say on QBC, 954-417-0070 to get in on the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge. Coming up next, we're getting some trivia fun with the man, the myth, the legend himself. Doyle Dave Gurgles Gurgly. Defoe is in Atlantic City. I am here. We will be back right after this, right here on South Florida Live. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand-cut every day, everything, and I mean everything is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 
4539066. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year things can happen to your home or business and the insurance company can be your friend but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters Justina Testa are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954-809-8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? That really scares me more than anything in life. Never the mind mini losing bar? all of your money gambling. Like, is there anything worse? You open the fridge door thinking you're going to shove that half a cheeseburger yes. that you had left over, and you took it with you even though uh, you probably were going to have Never to put it in again. a drawer and eat it again. <laughs> you open the door, the refrigerator door, and you're thinking you're just going to put something in there from, you know, because naturally you don't even bother to check in. You already ate something before you got to the hotel. And uh, the minute you open the door, like uh, a like a slot machine the reels start turning <laughs> yes yeah don't even and bump 17 into 17 bucks i mean you may as well just buy your drinks on the plane <laughs> 17 dollars for a little tiny you know a thing of vodka you got to be kidding me it's almost like you know that thing is was... 20 bucks a pop i mean who's out making the prices there joe biden what is that <laughs> enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs thanks to defo and luby now on the defo show <clears throat> Welcome back, one and all, to another edition of the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge. Defoe is finishing up his stint at Atlantic City. Gurgles and I got you covered. We're going to get into the action right now, as we do. One day we'll have him back. <laughs> I don't know when he'll be here. I haven't talked to him, actually. Defoe bullshits. says, yeah, I talked to him. He hasn't talked to him. Uh, but from what we know, the Parliament man is doing spectacularly, and soon enough he'll be with us. But without him, Gurgles is in his stead to start off with the traditional fashion and some easy baseball. And by the way, Mike, tell them what they're playing for. That's Atlanta. There is a land lovers gift certificate up for grabs. Gurgles, I give them credit. Promotes land lovers a lot harder than I do. Uh, I love the place. We're there tonight. We'll be 6.30. We got our trivia. And this is your primer, your your appetizer for your trivia action this morning with the one and only Dave Gurgles Gurgly and uh, some easy baseball. Yes, sir. This former Philadelphia Phillies outfielder, following a game in which he struck out three times, said to reporters, I was so bad. How bad were you? I couldn't even have driven Miss Daisy home. <laughs> What's that? <clears throat> Andy Van Slyke, Dick Van Dyke, Drayden Van Dyke, or Jerry Van Dyke? All right, scrambling it up. Good morning, Mr. Mike. How you doing, my friend? Hey, good morning, fellas. Thank you very much. That would be A. Love that double A. All right, you got one, Mr. Mike. Here is your true false. And by the way, uh, on a serious note, I'm going to dedicate my part of the show to uh, our late great friend, Hank, Hank Hooper. Yeah, uh, yeah. Last year, when we were in Vegas for Defoe's 70th birthday, we called Hank. Um, he wasn't available for us to come visit, but Jeff talked to him. And uh, whatever you th thought of Hanko's personality on the air, I, I knew him off the air from uh, different times at Hialeah when I'd see him. And when he did a show from Shula's Steak 2, and he always was 
treated me great and uh, knowledgeable guy and, and and hate to see him go, even though yes, he led a, a full life in 82. Yes, so, sad. sure, false. Having said that, in honor of Hank. let's do this one. Yes. Baseball. Believe it or not, as a youngster, accompanying his dad, Cy Goldberg, who wrote for the Newark Star-Ledger at the Yankee Spring Training in Fort Lauderdale, he almost had his dad kicked out of the hotel because of his bad behavior as a young child. Oh, wow. True or false? I'll say, I'll say true. Yeah, that sounds That like is it. true. <laughs> yeah. I asked Hank about that. He goes, how did you know that? It was in some little ESPN fact book. And he must have been running around the hotel <laughs> doing different stuff, probably eating off the buffet. I would exactly, guess, knowing Hank. You got two, Mike. All right, uh, Mike. Three you got points. two going for uh, five. Here we yes, go. <clears throat> Golf. Who is the winner of the J.P. McManus Pro-Am held at Adair Manor in Limerick, Ireland, just last week okay. as a warm-up for the British Open? Oh, was that Xander Shoffley, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, or Ricky Fowler? Uh, hey. Shoffley, nice. Xander Shoffley, that's Good right. Job. Followed up his stateside win with a win in Ireland. Well done. Mike, what a pace you're on. Five, this could be the sweep. The Gurgle's favorite. All right, Mike, uh, I know you know a lot about this. ABA. <laughs> the last me. ABA finals <laughs> were in 1976, oh in which the New York Nets defeated whom? In the finals of the ABA playoffs, the Utah Stars, the Kentucky Colonels, the Indiana Pacers, or the Denver Nuggets? B. No. No, sorry. It was the Denver mm. Nuggets who lost the last ABA championship game. But a right. good start. Hang around, Mike. You may be in the finals, my friend. This is the Hialeah Park Trivia Challenge. We do this each and every Thursday right here on South Florida Live. Well, it's funny uh, you, you bring that up about Hank because I really didn't know Hank as well. Obviously, in the last decade, I have been sort of indirectly around him because of Defoe, and he listened to us, and yep. we'd keep tabs, and he actually was aware of me, and he liked what we did, which was really cool. But I grew up on him, the sports radio personality. So it's just funny because the man he was on air, and he wasn't a, it wasn't an act. Like, that's who he was on air. When you when I talked to to Tony, when I talked to Visser Mama, when I talked to you, Defoe, the guy who was off air was a total. He was like a pussycat. Like he was the most generous guy, a big heart, really cared about everybody. Like was the guy that would always check in on people and was always there. Defoe, whenever he touched base with him, he always had the best things to say about what we were doing and he was doing. So it was just interesting, like the persona he had to like my dad. My dad liked him as a guy, but he would always, oh Hank, true Hank, you know. But then like you talk to people who knew him. And the reverence they had for him was spectacular. Like, it was just interesting, the dichotomy between the two personas. Yeah, he lived a good, full life. Uh, his sister, I think, was an executive with Channel 4. Um, he broke a lot of stories. Him and, and Coach Shula were very close. Uh, they had a, a mutual respect for each other. And, and he knew Coach was a tough interview sometimes. But he treated him with respect. And uh, I remember him interviewing me when Calder Racecourse, and Hialeah Racetrack ran at the same time. It was a first in South Florida. And Calder and Gulfstream were ganging up on Hialeah to try and get them to close completely. 
So I went to Hialeah because, first of all, it's close to me. And second of all, I've always loved it. And even though they're a sponsor, I to this day still yeah. love it. And Hank interviewed me. He goes, well, where would you rather bet? I said, I'd rather, I'd rather come to Hialeah anytime than Calder. Calder was like a factory. Hialeah is like a vacation. And uh, he put that on Channel 4. And uh, we got to be good friends when he came to Shula's. Um, one of the things he would do, we had our radio booth there, which I'm sure you were in. And when he was on break, he would leave the radio booth. And if, he, if he'd go outside into the lobby to say hello to somebody, he'd always grab a piece of lettuce from the uh, Bloody Mary thing, a stalk of lettuce, and eat it on the way out. That was uh, kind of Hank's tradition with us, if you will. But uh, he's well-remembered and a nice article in the Post about him, as well as a little bit uh, all, all over online about him. And uh, we wish we'd have seen him when we we're out there for Jeff's birthday, but at least we we're able to talk to him on the phone. One, yeah, and speaking of Jeff's birthday, yes. when did he go to Atlantic City? He went Tuesday he, on his did... birthday, Tuesday the fifth, uh, and okay. he's coming back tomorrow <clears throat> afternoon. I think I don't know, only Devo goes for a week. Like most people go to Vegas for like a day or two, sure. three days. Devo goes for seven. Like most people go to Atlantic City for like two, three days. He goes for nine. Like I don't know, he's Devo, um, but he's doing well from what I know. He hasn't gone broke yet, so that's a win. Um, talking about uh, going to the track, you know, to me, and it's, I've learned it's more than just this, but it always had that aura of you're watching the races and you have a nice cigar in your hand. If you're going to have a cigar in your hand, to me, there's only one place that you go to, and that's Perdomo. Great segue there, my friend. I put on cigars. I went to see Nick and the gang this week. Um, they're doing real well down there, and uh, you can go there in person. Uh, it's a great place. There's not many cigar places in the top ten in the world that you just walk in, and there's the owner, and there's cigars you can buy right there. Well, there is here at Pernoma Cigars. 5150 Northwest 167th Street on the Palmetto. On the south side, a little bit east of the Home Depot, <clears throat> you'd get off uh, the 57th Street exit if you're heading from the south and coming around the Big Bend. And go straight on the access road. It's there. If you're heading west, get off at 47th and just make a left. And then right up there, you'll see it, the big Perdomo cigar sign. And you can go there Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call them, 305-627-6700. I recommend you go there in person. Uh, Lauren, uh, Nick Jr.'s lovely wife, is manning the desk. Uh, Of course, we always talk about the humidor built by our late great friend, the Mad Dog Jim Manich. Him and Nick were real close. Great selection of cigars. A pool table there. Big lounge for smoking to watch big screen TV. Uh, they make them perfect one at a time. Cuban seed tobacco grown in Nicaragua. Me personally, I'm a milder cigar guy. The Lot 23 with a Connecticut wrapper is my choice. Some people like the 20th anniversary with a Maduro wrapper a little stronger, a Robusto, whatever size. They make them perfect one at a time. So today, <clears throat> tomorrow, anytime you want. Get a cigar down at Perdomo Cigars. Or if you're going on the weekend, you say, hey, I'm going out on my boat. I need to get cigars. Go to any retailer near you. If you're not sure where, go online, www.perdomocigars.com to find a retailer near you. Once again, today, tomorrow, celebrate anything and hopefully default with a win. Mustang will probably win the money. Put something great in your mouth with a cigar from Perdomo Cigars. Uh, We love Perdomo. We love you. Coming up next, a little bit more of your Hylia Park Trivia Challenge fun. Thank you again always to Hylia Park. They do a great job down there. We really had a good time at the fights. I know Frankie's always got something cooking. Gurgles loves his time there. They really cover all the angles, whether they're degenerate or not. I'm, I'm degenerate adjacent at this point in my life. Um, 
I'm generous enough, but I don't always dabble. But you wouldn't know the difference because it's always a good time at Hialeah Park. If you want to get in on the fun, 954-417-0070. for your chance at a Landlubbers gift certificate. And like Gergs has experienced himself, tonight I'll be there at 6.30 doing my trivia thing. This is where Gergs takes over. I try to follow in the great MC footsteps of Gergs and Paula Man and Defoe. Tonight, 6.30, check out Landlubbers. Coming up next, check us out right here. More Hylia Park Trivia Challenge on South Florida Live. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this, if you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled caring people there is truly only one place and that one place is catholic health services these days we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it thank goodness for landlubbers raw bar and grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible first of all they're not only open for delivery and pickup all you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery their hours have changed a little bit monday through thursday from 3 30 to 10 and Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10, you're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar, and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. I have sinned against you, my Lord. The only way to get your morning started is with Defoe, joining by Luby. Right here on the Defo Show. Welcome back to Defo Show. No Defo, just Luby here on South Florida Live. Appreciate everyone who's found us, who continues to find us as we grow in our very own venture uh, in this new world that is streaming and beyond. So appreciate that. If you want to get in on the act shown, 954 417 954 417 for more. Trivia challenge, Hylia Park trivia challenge, fun. Uh, David Gurgles Gurgly joins me as he does us each and every Thursday. Uh, Gurgles is a man that has a big trip on the horizon. So after we have our next player, I definitely want to talk a little bit because it's actually to a destination. My wife, who is uh, akin to you, you're like the world traveler. You, you become a big fan of my wife because she's like the same thing. Um, she adores it. And you're going to a location that she's taught. We were actually almost went there for our honeymoon. And then we sort of... It, the way the world worked out, we, we weren't able to do that kind of a trip. So I'm, I want to pick your brain now. And then, of course, when you get back, we're going to pick your brain. But don't want to leave our players in suspense for too long. 
So we get back to some trivia challenge fun with the one and only Dave Gurgles Gurgly. Boxing. This journeyman fighter, after a loss in the ring, explained it thusly. Larry Holmes didn't beat me. He just won the first 15 rounds. <laughs> What's that? Randall Tex Cobb, Randall Cunningham, Billy Cunningham, or Billy Martin? Scrambling it up for the one and only. I have to find his name, but I'll just say it out loud. Andy Man, Andy Man, good morning to you, my friend. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I got a negative uh, COVID test. Oh, thank God. Thank God. All right. Be Andy. safe, please, Mr. Oh, uh, boy, Andy. I'll go, Hospital. I'll go with Ted Scott. All right. <laughs> and job. a special uh, a special thank you to Andy. Last time I was at Land Numbers, he bought me a nice cold Guinness, which, by the way, goes wonderful with their cold peel and eat shrimp. So That's just a little plug there for the boys. But thank you, Andy. All right. Football. You're the man, Andy. Thank you. We love you. All right. That's one point, Andy, man. True. Football, true or false, Andy. In a recent Sports Illustrated retrospective article, Donald Trump in an interview about the now defunct USFL said his biggest regret as the owner of New Jersey Generals was not luring coach Bill Parcells to be the head coach. Mm. True or false? Well, his biggest regret was changing the schedule. He should have been an idiot, but that goes with the that that goes with the territory. I'll go with true. No, no, I made that one up. Sorry, <laughs> that's not true. I was should have saved it for Lenny. Should have saved it for Lenny. Sorry. <laughs> All right, you got one point. This is your three pointer, there, Andy man. Did you know? Did you know that people okay, are straight royal flush? Yeah, okay, but again, he's hit three of those the last year. Like, I, no, 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 this is real. <clears throat> this is real. It's supposed to, but okay. it's only for a quarter. Ah, okay. He, had a, he made a dime on it. Wow. And, you know, I never hit one of those. Good the for biggest him. The thing I ever had him is I got a date with the video blackjack dealer, the one that lives in the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> All right, here's your three-pointer. If you ever play those video if you're ever playing those video blackjacks and you're winning and they switch to the Oriental dealer, <laughs> dealer leave immediately. <laughs> leave immediately. They, they are the right kiss of death, <laughs> by all means. Three-point question coming up. Golf for you. Louis Oosthuizen made only one cut in eight previous majors before Jeez. blowing away the competition at St. Andrews, which is coming up, not yeah. St. Andrews, but the British Open in 2010. Yeah. Oosthuizen led over the final 48 holes, finishing 16 under for a seven-shot victory. Who finished second that day? Mm. Darren Clark, Patrick Harrington, Phil Mickelson, or Lee Westwood? This is back in 2010 <clears throat> the British Open. I'll go with Harrington. Good guess, but no, it was Lee Westwood, who's always been a kind of a bridesmaid, if you will. Yeah, yeah. All right, you have. Well, Harrington is cousins with Joey Harrington, quarterback. <laughs> is he? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. I have to look it up. I don't know. Uh-huh. All right, yeah. I will, I will look it up. This is your five point question you. to take the lead, my friend. All right, Andy, I think you got a good shot at this one. Baseball. What pitcher gave up the most home runs to Hall of Famer Willie Mays during his career? Robin Roberts, Warren Spahn, Don Drysdale, or Jim Maloney? 
Give me again because I'm trying to figure out. Mays, Mays finished up sure, like not a problem. Most home runs to Willie Mays during Willie's career was given up by which of the following pitchers? Robin Roberts, Warren Spahn, Don Drysdale, or Jim Maloney? Yes. I guess because of the overlapping careers would be Drysdale. No, that's a good guess. But think about the guy that pitched the longest. Warren Spahn was the answer. Yeah, I think Spahn retired earlier. So I thought that... He pitched like 80 years. Spahn pitched We love you, Andy, man. Thanks for playing. Bombs away. You may be in the finals, but I would say no. I'll just buy a certificate from Lenny. That's all. Thanks, Eddie. Honestly. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. Thanks, Andy, man. Hopefully I'll see you later. Be safe, my friend. All right, that is uh, Andy Bombs away. We have Mike leading with five points. If you want to get in on the action, 954-417-0070, 954-417-0070. For your shot at a Land Lovers gift certificate, before we move on, I do want to ask you, I know you're going, you're heading off to the Maldives, so we're not going to have you for the next couple of weeks. Um, is it, because it's what, is it a whole day, the flight? Like, what, like, what are the prep? I'm leaving, the prep uh, like? <clears throat> I'm leaving next Tuesday, 8.15 in the evening. Okay. And I'm flying to Doha from Miami. And then from my from Doha, I have a little bit of a layover, maybe six, seven hours, then fly to Malay. And then from Malay, a little uh, puddle jumper plane to another island, and then a speedboat to where I'm ending up. So uh, <clears throat> I will leave the 12th of uh, July, and I won't get there till the 14th, oh, wow. theoretically. And oh, I think wow. there's a time change as far as that goes, but I don't care. It's worth it. No. We we didn't uh, we didn't scrimp on this. I no, I did no. a lot. I've been planning this since last September. I think. Oh wow! Looking at different islands and there there's there's so many of them. And I settled on one called Ja Manafaro. And I'll I'll send you pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Individually. And we bought we we got a sunset nice. overwater bungalow nice. with an infinity pool. Nice. And I didn't go for like the buffet, but we got the all inclusive. I mean, everything's included, nice. So we don't have to pay for anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll probably send you uh, pictures of me paddle boarding. Nice. Yeah, good chance of that. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. You'll see that. All right. Well, you'll I see me uh, relaxing with a nice book <laughs> and maybe for an almost cigar, but uh, not, no paddle boarding. But it's a young lady of mine. We've been friends for probably 30 years or wow. something like that. That's I amazing. said, this is on my bucket list. She goes, hey, mine too. So we split the cost right down the middle. Nice. I had some miles. Nice. Uh, it would have been about 1,900 a person to fly. Jeez. And luckily, I had some American Airlines miles, and they're partners with Qatar Airlines. Nice. So that's who we'll be flying. Uh, yeah, and we're, we're looking forward to it. And uh, I, I, it's just a, a bucket list thing to cross off. And uh, I've got more I want to achieve. Um, had a little doctor's appointment yesterday. Everything's good there. So I don't have to worry about anything like that. And I'm just going to go and enjoy. The only thing that might – I get a little – antsy or anal if you will because i got forms to fill out and one says fill these out 24 hours before you arrive in mali well i'll be in the air 24 hours before i arrive so i gotta set send some forms in and do some other stuff but uh i've got covid testing you don't need anymore for a lot of travel i've been i've got vaccination stuff i've got all that particular stuff but uh it's something to look forward to. And these places are spectacular. Well, the really overwater are. bungalows are you know? ridiculous. Like, it's amazing. Like, you, yeah. the water is so when clear. Comes back with your, when Defoe comes back with your bonus from Atlantic City, <laughs> you could probably 
buy a book about it off Amazon for about three ninety nine. Yeah. I might be able to get a picture. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge. Uh, here, Gurgles joining me. He's on his way to the Maldives. Because that was what I was going to ask. I, on these longer trips, I wonder, because we went to Thailand, and people were like, do you need to get shots? And I'm like, I didn't. <laughs> like, I don't know if we needed them. But, no. uh, and we're going to Morocco. Well, we we're not required to do that. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. And one of, the things that I, one of the things I've done, hopefully, to make the trip even more successful is, since we're going to be together six nights, uh, six days and nights, for the airplane ride over to Dahar, I bought us seats across the aisle from each other instead of next to each other. <laughs> That's a win. Well, what's worth cool it. is definitely these, worth it. Yeah, from I've never flown them, but Shirley's flown uh, Turkish Air, and I've heard of uh, Arab Emirates and Qatar, like these. Middle Eastern Airlines, the price, and it's expensive because of the trip, but that's what it would be anywhere. It's like old school, like back in the day when they actually gave a shit about air flight before I ever flew, like when Defoe and my parents talk about flying, like the the food, you get like a menu and like the drinks are real, and there's room, and like it's not even first class, just everyone is like a bed, and like, because we we did like Air China or something to go to Thailand, (laughs) and they gave you food, but like you're like this, it's like borderline spirit for like a 20 hour flight so like i've heard like qatari air like these airlines it's like you're like it's like a hotel room like you're like it's relaxing it's comfortable so even though it's a long flight it's super comfortable so you should have a blast well i'm i'm looking forward to it i've got uh just uh there's tennis there there's other things this lady's an avid tennis player so i'll have to play some tennis with her one day and just just chilling I'm going to read some books. Uh, and I, what I like about it is just lay there in a lounge chair and says, oh, man, I'm getting a little hot. Okay, let me take three steps and jump in the infinity pool, yeah. our own private pool, which is very, very nice. That's so great. it's uh, something to look forward to. Um, not cheap, but so what? I have nah. a, a, a saying of mine that uh, I've never seen a hearse with an ATM behind it. So <laughs> spend it by all means, my friend. That's oh, my yes. wife's mentality. I think you should enjoy it. You work hard, play hard, have a good time, be safe, and we will be excited to have you back. Uh, we're excited to continue the trivia challenge here on South Florida Live. Mike has five. Andy bombed away. Our next combatant is in the on deck circle. So if we want, we can uh, t- we can go there. We'll try and play. We'll take a break. Probably play maybe one more person, and then we'll get to a finals. Um, before we talk about Miami Lakes Golf Club, uh, we'll get this next person up ready to play. Be our third contestant in this edition of the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge with the one and only Dave Gurgles Gurgly. All right, hockey. This member of the famed Buffalo Sabers uh, French Connection line sim- summed up his hockey attitude thusly. The three most important elements of hockey are forecheck, backcheck, and paycheck. <laughs> What's that? Jill Perot, Gil Hodges, Gil McDougal, or Gilligan's Island? <laughs> All righty, we're scrambling it up. And we're talking about old standbys, a guy that's followed us everywhere, and we appreciate it all. A guy that follows me to trivia each and every week, the one and only Lenny the Chronic joins us here on the Trivia Challenge. Good morning, Mr. Lenny the Chronic. How are you doing, my friend? Good morning, guys. How's everything? Gurgles, have a great time. Bring me back a keychain. There you go. <laughs> a keychain? At least it's a small ass. Well, thank goodness you didn't ask for a coconut or anything. A keychain. Okay. We'll, we'll figure something out. That's specific. All right. <laughs> All right. True or false question. Hoops, talk about your strange bedfellows. Believe it or not, at a 4th of July party in the Hamptons just recently, hosted by Fanatics CEO Michael Rubin. 
trash-talking Draymond Green was was pictured with Celtics Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And if that's not enough, also in attendance was Patriots owner Robert Kraft at this same party. True or false? Mm, I'm going to say false. Now that's true. No. That's, that's true. That's got to be that's true. That's true. We got Wally, did you hear that? Sorry. That one's for you, Wally. <laughs> that's specific as hell. That's funny. <laughs> you got one. This is your three-pointer chronic. You made Gurgle's day. <laughs> All right, Lenny, this one's, this one's for you. I think you'll like this one. Uh, ESPN, of course, always did a, recently did a 30-30 special about professional eaters. What was the title of that documentary? Was it, it's not a doggy dog world, it's a manny dog. B, they relish their wins, but with mustard. C, we'll compete for food. Or D, the good, the bad, and the hungry. What was the title of that 30 for 30? I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with the good, the bad, and the hungry. Yeah, that sounds like the best one. Well done, Lenny. The rest of them were super well hokey. Well done. The rest of them were super hokey. All right, that's four points. It's your five-pointer to skirt into the lead there, Lenny. I've got this one saved especially for Lenny. <laughs> Tennis. <laughs> during, the fort, during the fortnight of Wimbledon, oh my God. there are over 54,000 tennis balls used each year. In which year wow. did they convert from white tennis balls <laughs> To yellow tennis balls. <laughs> was that? Wow. 1968? Oh, my God. 1986? 1976? Or 2002? So, uh, 1976. Great question. That was our centennial. But, no, it was 86. And do you know why they switched from white to yellow tennis balls? Why? No. Because of the dress it. The dress of Wimbledon is white, so this way they would see it clearly uh-huh. instead of seeing the white versus white. But they switched in 1986. In case Luby asked that at Landlubbers, now you know. <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> we love you, Chronic. You may be in the final. So right, have a great around, trip, right, Kurt. Thanks, Lenny. All right. Thanks. Thanks. See you in, uh, I guess, be three Thursdays from now. Exactly. Uh, before we get going to a break, it's never a trivia challenge without some golf chatter. You're a man who knows his golf very well. You've started different challenges, and each and every day, or for the most part, people can find you at Miami Lakes Golf Club. What are some of the things we can look forward to at the Miami Lakes Golf Club? Yeah, Miami Lakes Golf Club, uh, there's a brand new uh, development going to occur right here. Where it used to be the Indigo Hotel is going to be a retail restaurant complex with a brand new clubhouse, a new driving range that will start probably the third quarter of next year. But uh, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, Friday, we're hosting a uh, tournament from people coming from all over the country. And it's uh, Good Deeds International, a charity event. Um, uh, and they're going to be here tomorrow with a uh, 8 o'clock shotgun. I handle all the golf tournaments here. So anybody that's got an outing that they're looking forward to, uh, come out and play. Um, we have a combination membership that includes the athletic club, which uh, you may or may not have seen in your trips out here. And uh, the and the golf course, uh, it's in great shape. You can reach me. Uh, that that kind of email is a little old. We'll give you an updated one. It's dave.gurgley at grahamhospitality.com. I'll, we'll get that updated eventually. But anytime you want to come out and play, uh, give me a yell. Um, 305-820-8097. Miami Lakes Golf Club, formerly known as Shula's. Um, we changed the name 
because uh, Miami Lakes Properties is doing some other different stuff. And uh, we're back to what it was in, in 1963 when it very first opened. It's a privilege to work here. Of course, in great shape. Come on out. Give me a yell sometime. 305-820-8097. Or go online to MiamiLakesGolf.com to find out our great rates for individual play. And we're re- when you're ready for the finals, I am. You let me know. Yeah, we're uh, going to take a break when we get back. We may have another player. We may have the finals. Perfect. We're playing it by air here on today's edition okay. of the Hylia uh-huh. Park Trivia Challenge with the one only Gabe Gurgles. Gurgley, Defoe is in Atlantic City. He will be back with you Monday. We are back with you next on this edition of the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge on South Florida Live. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family. Good for a date or just a night out for yourself. And prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954 954- 809-8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? The lovely Debbie Boone joins us here. The song, You Light Up My Life. And it's one of those songs that, well, at least for some period of time, I think in virtually every human being, no matter what language they speak, that it was in their head for a period of time. To the point where everybody walked around uh, with that, you light up my life on their mind, right? Which has to be a sensational tribute and distinction uh, for anybody that's in the music business. Well, it, for the most part, yes. And I am very, very grateful. But a few people did want to break that vinyl over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your record, Debbie. I'm using it as a Frisbee. What are you talking about? <laughs> Buenos dias. The cafecito is piping hot. Why not enjoy it with Defo and Luby? It's now time for the Defo Show. All righty, peeling the curtain back. 
podcast. I'm doing 12 things. Uh, so you got to see us there. Good morning, all. Uh, this is the finishing touches on another edition of the Hylia Park Trivia Challenge. Appreciate everyone who got involved. Appreciate everyone who's watching. I see you out there. Give us a call. Get in on the trivia fun. We love our regulars. We'd love to have some new players. Again, always give us a call. 954-417-0070. Girls, doesn't bite exactly. But we, we are here to have a good time, so we'd love to have you join in on the fun. The finals are set. We have Mike, we have Lenny, and we have the one and only Dave Gurgles Gurgly for some Highly Park Trivia Challenge. Fun, you guys all know the drill, but I'll explain it for our newcomers. We will throw a question out there. If you know the answer, say your name. If you do not know the answer, Gurgles will give the choices. Once you are ready, give your name, and we'll go back and forth until someone has the correct answer. And I now turn it over to the one and only Dave Gurgles Gurgly. And I guess I would say anybody who checks in online in the conversation and doesn't get on the show is missing the boat. Exactly. I mean, if you're already online there, what does it take to make a quick phone call? Exactly. There's some guys that go back and forth and talk. You don't have to be shy. Yeah. And if you live out of town, you could you could probably sell a $25 gift certificate to Lenny for 10 bucks or something. So, you know, <laughs> there's no loss in competing. By all means, get, get in the game. All right. Having said that, uh, the finals are ready for baseball. Good luck, both guys. On Tuesday of this past week, if people complain about me not doing any recent questions, here's a recent one. On Tuesday this week, Mariners rookie Julio Rodriguez became the fastest player to reach 15 homers and 20 stolen bases in a season, doing it in just 81 games. He eclipsed the old mark of 15 and 20 of 82 games held by... Nobody? No one, no one. All right. What's that? Ricky Ricky Henderson, Ken Griffey Jr., Ellis Burks, or Craig Biggio? Lenny. I don't know if Mike's there. Ellis Burks. Go ahead. Ellis Burks. Oh, you got it right. Ellis Burks. There it is. (laughs) There it is. There it is. He... Usually Lenny waits for somebody else to give a wrong answer, so he eliminates <laughs> exactly. it down to three. He but uh, well done. By, Congrats, well done Lenny. By Lenny. Thanks a lot, Mike. Wow. Appreciate you guys playing. Uh, guys. And I'll see you guys Bye-bye. later today there, Lenny, man. Uh, all right, so one more time before we get out of here, before I let you get out of here, Mr. World Traveler, I do want to give a shout-out because you said it. I, it's funny. I used to think track and cigar. Now, because I've become more inclined to them, it is a really cool thing to do when you're relaxing, having a good time. I presume they'd let you bring it with you. And if not, I'm sure you can find some cigars, especially Perdomo over there in in the Maldives. Well, actually, uh, in in the Maldives, um, it's in public. I don't think you're even allowed to smoke, to be honest with you. Cigars? That's okay with me. I'll read. I'll swim. I'll do other stuff like that. But on the golf course, we welcome it. As a matter of fact, Perdomo Cigars is our exclusive cigar here at Miami nice. Beach Golf Club that we sell. Uh, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy a Perdomo cigar, whether you're out on your boat, whether you're in your backyard, whether you're just chilling with some friends, why not great to get a great Perdomo cigar? 305-627-6700, the number to call, www.perdomocigars.com, the website to go to find any retailer near you that sells them. But come right here, just a little bit east of Miami Lakes. There's the Perdomo Cigar Building. Nick's always accessible. Nick Jr.'s there, fourth generation, making cigars perfect one at a time. Cuban seed tobacco grown in Nicaragua. They are simply the best. So until I see you folks in three weeks, enjoy a great Perdomo Cigar and enjoy some great health. And enjoy Defoe and Luby on South Florida Live.
Gergs, we love you. Have fun. Be safe, please. And uh, take a dip in the pool for us. And we'll talk to you in a couple weeks, my friend. Or three weeks, actually. The one and only Dave Gergs Gurgly. It's funny because those of you who know me now, I've sort of grown to see that I travel a lot. Um, first of all, I'm not traveling much as default these days. In the last month, literally in a month, he's gone to Italy for over a week. He's gone to New Orleans for like four or five days. And now he's gone to Atlantic City for four days. So if anyone's traveling, it's default. But yes, we were just in uh, November. We were in New York slash France slash Italy. And then I think it was May. It all runs together. May, we were in Greece. And at the end of the year, in November, we'll be going to Morocco. So we do our traveling thing, and what's funny is the Maldives is one of those places that's like, you see pictures of it, and it doesn't look real, but it's like a 20-hour flight. It's like really far. And and it's not only like a 20, 24-hour flight. Like Gerg said, you have to do like all these machinations. Look, a lot of these flights aren't direct. It's fine. You get one stopover. But like because of where it is, you have to do like two or three stopovers. But like Andy said on the chat, what I've heard from not only my wife, but from other people, like these Middle Eastern airlines are amazing. And they're not that much more. Like it's 1900 because it's a 24 hour flight. Like the way they treat you. Like, and look, it's yes, the longer flights, they give you food, they give you some alcohol. Yeah. But again, I did Air China. It wasn't uh, the lap of luxury. These Middle Eastern airlines aren't that much more money. And. It's reclining chairs. You have room. They get, you get a menu. You you get food constantly. There's really good alcohol that they're serving you. They're like it's like the way I was told air travel used to be like before I was even born. So uh, I'm sure Gurgles will have an amazing time. We will miss him here, but we will hold down the fort here on South Florida Live. Don't forget each and every day, twelve o'clock, we have Mike Mayo's lunchbox. Yes, you get more of me. You usually get Defo. You get a lot of Mike May. We talk the longtime food critic, a man that knows how he not only loves to eat his food, but he's great at describing his food. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Mr. Let's Eat South Florida, which has over 82,000 members on Facebook, group members. Uh, he does a show each and every day right here, 12 to 1. Today, we will be at the famous, it is a Visit Lauderdale. We partnered with Visit Lauderdale. Every Thursday we do uh, they are doing a campaign, Everyone Under the Sun. Well, every Thursday we do Every Dish Under the Sun. So it's Everyone Under the Sun, Every Dish Under the Sun. Thank you to Visit Lauderdale. At 12 p.m., we will be at Jackson's. Yeah, it's ice cream time. It is hot as hell outside. A nice bowl of ice cream. And I guess they have food. I've never actually eaten food there. But Mayo, of course, sings her praises. So I'll, I take his word on it. So check us out. 12 p.m. We'll be live from Jackson's in Dania Beach. Coming up next, you'll get more of me right here on South Florida Live. Um, I do want to say uh, I appreciate everyone who gets in on the action. Again, like Gurgle said, I understand I was never one to call into shows, but the trivia challenge is fun. And I know Gurgle sort of takes joy in watching people fail. So prove him wrong. Succeed. And give us a call next week, please, on the Hialeah Park Trivia Challenge. Always 954-417-0070 for... That Land Lumber's gift certificate working on Texas Roadhouse, which I get, and not everyone's down here, which is cool. We love that people are finding us from all over. Texas Roadhouse is in almost, if it's not every state, almost every state, and most, if it's not every city, you're pretty close to a Roadhouse. So I work on getting Roadhouse gift certificates as well for our local and for our out-of-city fans because we'd love to get you in on the trivia challenge. We don't want it just to be a South Florida thing. We want it to be an all-world thing. We love our South Florida as it is South Florida Live. Listeners, but we want, and and viewers, but we want all of you to get involved. So again, don't think twice. Please give us a call. The Trivia Challenge will we'll make it worth your while. It's always a lot of fun with Gerds, with Deef, and I try to just join in with the legends. 954 417 
Coming up next, you got more of me <laughs> here on South Florida Live. Appreciate Hialeah Park. And check me out tonight. Talking about trivia. Again, Land Lovers, 6.30 p.m. over in Plantation Place. I've been going to my entire life. They do a tremendous job. And they had, the food's great. The degeneracy action's great. They have like over 50 TVs. And the trivia's a lot of fun. The professor puts it together. And it's not always easy, but it is fun. He definitely has a great sense of humor, as you see each and every Friday here. So if you get a chance, we'd love to have you at Land Lovers and Plantation tonight. And we'd love to have you next, right here. More of the Defo Show without Defo, just Luby, here on South Florida Live. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hialeah Park. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10 and Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. To be or not to be, that is the question. Yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't get your uh, question. You were a coach that you coached all kinds of teams. You had teams that... Hey, say it in English. That Enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs, thanks to Defo and Luby. Now on the Defo Show. Welcome one and all back to the Defo Show. No Defo, just Luby here on... A Highly Park Trivia Challenge Thursday. We do this each and every Thursday. We appreciate Gurgles for joining me. He's now off in a few days to the Maldives. Look at him. People make fun of I've been to Thailand and Greece and where else? Do we went to Costa Rica. 
in the last couple of years. Well, the Maldives is, is, is as, as exotic as it gets, so uh, good luck to Gers. I know he'll have a good time, and we appreciate him joining in on our trivia fun. Uh, if you caught me earlier, I ranted about youth sports. I am coaching my nephew's eight and under boys basketball team. And for someone who's telling people to not take it seriously, I spent 20 minutes bitching about it. So there you go. Um, I can be a hypocrite too. Uh, it's just uh, the, the, some of the things I've seen from the coaches, it's just I find interesting. Like I understand that you get into the game and I understand that you want to win and then you want to teach the kids, you know, life isn't easy and blah, 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 blah. But to me, it's about them having fun and learning to play the games the right way. And what is the right way to me? I don't, I don't know. All I know is it's not about tackling and being violent, at least to me. Like, youth sports should be fun. You want the kids. Gerd talked about it. Like, he taught junior high basketball. And, yeah, they took it seriously years ago. But you want the kids to have a good time. You want the kids to come back. Like, to me, the idea is to get the recidivism returning, okay? Recidivism, a lot of the time, is used with prison. Yeah, you don't want that. You don't want them returning back to prison. But you don't want the kids returning back to youth sports. I want my kids to have such a good time this year that they want to play more and more and more. And to me, if they're getting violently tackled in a sport that is... Look, basketball is physical when it's the Knicks in the Heat in 1997. But, like, eight and under boys in Sunrise in Florida is not supposed to be uber physical. So, to me, that was my gripe this morning. There's a lot going on in the sports world. We're less than a month away from NFL preseason. The Hall of Fame game is Thursday, August 4th. The Greek already, I think, put in, or that might have been for the first week of the regular season. The Greek, the Greek, actually, we are, we do the lunchbox each and every day at 12. We have the Greeks plays of the day. The Greek is nine and one right now, nine and one here on South Florida Live. I'll uh, make sure we get some plays from him Friday. Camps open, I think, this week and next week in the NFL. So we're getting closer. To the NFL, uh, the college football world, the season starts. The big days are Labor Day, but they may have games the week before. I know they'll have some schminky games, uh, usually a little bit earlier. But we're about a month and a half away from college football. The big news in the college football world has been realignment. It's funny. A few years ago, we heard realignment was a big deal. Um, and then it's quieted down. And then last year, you had out of nowhere, Oklahoma and Texas, the two bell cows of the Big 12, like their their monster program, Texas hasn't won since the right around the early the early two thousands with Mac Brown. Yet they still make as much money and spend as much money as anyone. Oklahoma, since with Bob Stoops and then moving forward with Lincoln Riley, won every year. So they you you'd think they didn't need a lead, but there's so much money doing the SEC, and now the Big Ten has made sure they're right there in that conversation. That Oklahoma, Texas, are like yeah, screw this, the Big Twelve. Like we're carrying you. We don't want to carry you. We want to just get carried. And that's what the SEC, each school supposedly is going to make like $100 million a year or something with the TV rights. Like the ACC, I think it's like less than $50 million a year. So you have schools like FSU, Miami, North Carolina, Clemson, Virginia, Virginia Tech just sitting there going, huh, what do we do? Well, last week that was amped up because USC and UCLA, they said UCLA. Well, UCLA, first of all, is still solid when it comes to basketball. And they're interesting when it comes to football. Especially with Chip Kelly, but USC is one of the preeminent programs. Yeah, ever since um, Pete Carroll went to back to the pros, USC has been sort of middling. But they just brought in Lincoln Riley, so they're ready to, to get back onto the scene. The Big Ten's like, all right, SEC, you're taking you know big programs. We're going to take big programs with a major market footprint because LA is either the second or number one TV market, depending. They already have Rutgers, which is, yeah, no, in New York, they're not huge football fans, but if you do watch college football, 
Rutgers is really that team. They already have Penn State, which is the Pennsylvania. But again, a lot of the New York market is is Penn State people because there's not so much great college football in the New York area. They have Maryland, which is the D.C. area, which is another huge television market. Then you have with Northwestern, that's Illinois, Chicago. But the next team that's the big monster that's supposed to, the shoe that's supposed to drop is Notre Dame. Notre Dame, yes, it's Indiana, but it's the most, outside of Ohio State and Michigan, it's the most prominent, really, Midwestern team, school, especially when it comes to college football, especially when it comes to the state, to the city of Chicago. A lot of Chicago people are huge Notre Dame fans because Chicago to Notre Dame isn't that big of a drive that that is a boon. They already have the Chicago market with Northwestern. Well, you bring Notre Dame, so you would have L.A., New York, Chicago, and they, they, they're working on spreading out even further. So the Big Ten is like, all right, SEC, we see you. We're coming for you. They have a monster deal where their schools are going to get $100 million plus. So you have the ACC sitting there and the Big, the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 going, shit, the hell do we do? Uh, the Big 12s, hopefully, they're themselves trying to get Oregon and Washington. Now, Oregon and Washington a week ago, right after the USC-UCLA news broke, Oregon and Washington supposedly petitioned to join the Big Ten. The fact that we've heard nothing from that means the Big Ten is trying to take their time and figure out who they want next. I don't see why you wouldn't want Oregon. I mean, yeah, Crystal Ball's not there. Lanning's a better coach. Like, Lanning was a great hire. He's doing a great job already. He was Georgia's defensive coordinator and a huge part of Georgia's success with Kirby Smart. And he's a guy that has come in and done a really good job with Oregon, and that Phil Knight money hasn't gone anywhere. It's only gotten bigger and better. So, to me, or Washington's not as good as they once were, but it, that's a nice market. The Seattle market is a, another good television market. But we haven't heard anything. So supposedly the Big 12 is trying to sway Oregon and Washington down there. The ACC has been very quiet. There's supposedly words of the ACC and the Pac-12 having some kind of a loose agreement. And this is why I bring this up. Right? We all, all the stuff I just said you all knew. Fine, I didn't tell you any new information. To me, what's weird is why would... If you're FSU and Clemson, why do you want to join the Pac-12? Like... Look, the SEC has come after FSU for years. And then I think recently they went after both FSU and Clemson, even more Clemson. Because Clemson, I think FSU brings in a little bit more money. I think FSU has a little bit bigger national foot, national footprint and a little bit better viewership. But Clemson has won a lot more in the last five years than, Clem- than FSU. So Clemson was the kind of program that SEC would want. Both FSU and Clemson were like, I don't know what we do. I don't know. I don't know. Lately, the word has been that FSU and Clemson Maybe interested in the SEC is not sure because the SEC, they still haven't brought in at Oklahoma and Texas. That I think happens next year or in the next couple of years. So they want to figure that out before they go bigger. But here's the deal to me, if you and I really didn't carry the way, I didn't realize just how much the conferences mattered when it came to money. But if you're going to make less than 50 million with the ACC or you can make 110 million with the SEC. And I would beat down the door because, and a lot of people will say, well, why would you want to compete with the SEC? What you don't get is you're still competing with them now. Like the same recruits in the Southeast are vying for SEC schools and ACC schools, right? Okay. You still play them out of conference. Okay. You still have to compete with them in the rankings, like literally on the field rankings. So you're competing with them already. The one thing is they have a major advantage over you. All the schools, even Vandy who sucks and doesn't win still gets that hundred something million dollars. That they're not doing much with it. Well, what if you're a Clemson? You're already succeeding in a conference where you're not making the money. It's always been about money, right? Well, now with the NIL, it's even more about money because it's out in the open. 
There's no rules right now. At some point, they'll have some kind of a rule to try and make it better. But again, what body? Because the NCAA has no jurisdiction. So the and the college football world would have to go, okay, we're sick of this. We need some kind of legislation. We need some kind of rules. We need a governing body. And most people think that the conference presidents um, or the school presidents or the conference commissioners will make their own governing body to try and put in some rules about NAL. Right now, there's none. Right now, it's a free-for-all, okay? So the money, which was already a big deal and already a factor, matters even more. So if you're an SEC school, it's not about, well, we have to play Florida and A&M and LSU and Georgia and Bama. Okay, well, if you want to win, you have to play them anyways, right? It's about every school will get $110 million. So if you're Clemson and you're Florida State, yeah, outside the last five years, Florida State won every year, right? If you're Clemson, the last five years, you've won every year. If possibly a Miami or a North Carolina or Virginia, Virginia Tech, like you found ways to win here and there, right? Well, just think if you had $110 million to work with. Yeah, Ruiz is doing interesting things for UM with money. But what if you had that just automatic? You didn't need boosters or alumni to give you money like that. So that's why a lot of people have turned around, done a 180 degree on this for the ACC schools because it's like, oh, shit. There's so much money out there. Like, what are we doing? So this, the, the, some news reports came out yesterday that the Pac-12 and the ACC are in talks to possibly loosely merge, like have a lo- loose agreement. And I'm like, why? Like... At some point, we have to accept that it's a business. Like, there are still the holdouts, and we love Segreto, and he's he sort of accepted that he understands it's not all amateur, but he still has that, oh, my God, I wish. No. Like, it's business. It's nfl light. If not, in some cases, look, with NIL, some kids will make more money in college with NIL than they will in the pros. The one kid that's getting supposedly around $9 million with the Canes, guy may not make the NFL. Like, he's a really good quarterback, but he's not great. He's not a five-star. So he may not make the pros. So $9 million for one year at UM or two years at UM, as a rookie, you don't automatically get that in the NFL. Like, yeah, the salaries have gone back up a little bit for rookies in the NFL. But, like, a lot of these guys may make more in college than they will in the pros. So the NIL is huge. It's a huge boon. And to me, like, that's all it's going to be about, at least for now. Like, Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban can fight. Nick Saban wasn't actually trying to skewer Fisher. He was talking to his booster saying, hey, look at what the fuck Fisher's doing. The dude just had a class that he's never had before. Class we've never, we're Bama. We're getting five stars every year. We get four or five. He just had eight. Why? NIL. I need money. You want me to keep competing? Yeah, I had the second best class. It's going to keep going backwards if you're not giving me money, which is not true. Alabama will find a way. They were already paying kids, but now the kids are allowed to negotiate with an agent. The kids are allowed to know about it. You're allowed to know about it. The world's allowed to know about it, so the money's even more. So Nick Saban was trying to do a preemptive strike. Yeah, we had the second best class, and it was really close, but it's going to get worse if you don't give me money. Okay, and Fisher can yell and scream. We didn't do, yeah, because you're not allowed right now, whatever NIL rules there are, you're not really supposed to use it for recruiting. So that's why Fisher was weird. But obviously he did. It was pretty clear he did. He hasn't gotten more than two or three five stars in any class, even at FSU when he was killing it, getting number one classes. Number two classes, he would get like four or five. He had eight. And like he had a lot of others really interested in going to A&M. It's obviously the NIL. So to me, that's what it's about. To me, the money is everything. And that's okay. Like, yeah, is it ruining college football? Duh. Okay. Was college football not ruined? Like, it was a joke. It was indentured servitude. It wasn't slavery because the kids got an education and the kids got a stipend. Fine. It was indentured servitude. Like, the kids were doing all the work. The kids were busting their ass. 
And the money, believe me, the money they were getting wasn't, they weren't balling. Once in a while, you'd see a kid with a sick car, but most kids were just getting by. And they weren't allowed to work, so if they want to take a girl out, they want to take a date out, they want to go have some fun, they didn't have extra funds to do it. So, to me, it was always a joke anyways. Yeah, this this ruined college football as we know it. College football as we know it has been gone for 20-something years. It's there's When you get to the word billions, and it's been in the billions since the 2000s, maybe the 90s. When you get to the billions, it's not amateur, it's professional. Well, it's professional, treat it like professional. So the idea that it'll eventually be the SEC and the Big Ten, yes, that's what it's going to be. And to me, I'm all for it. Let's go. Let's put everyone on the same playing field. I'm sick of this shit where you have, like, you're in a big conference in the ACC. Yeah, but if your conference is making 40-something million each school and the other conference is making 108, you're not on the same playing field. Like, you're not. And with NIL, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So to me, old school people saying, well, like my dad's like, what is it going to be? I'm like... Football. So it'll be like the NFL. We have the AFC and the NFC. We'll have the SEC and the Big Ten. Who cares? Like, you'll still have uh, some independence. You'll still have some other stuff. Some kids, some schools will recruit and uh, get three stars and coach them up. And it won't always be the big boys. But at least money-wise, they'll all be getting very similar money. At least they'll have a base. So to me, when I see reports of the ACC wanting to join forces loosely with the Pac-12, it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're just trying to hold on to something that doesn't exist anymore. And what will happen is, look, it was supposed to be the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten. The three of them were supposed to have some kind of a brotherhood and play each other, and that way they can combat the mighty SEC. Literally less than a year, less than a year, USC and UCLA said, screw that. I don't care about your stupid pact. We're going. We want real money. Big Ten, don't worry about the ACC. Don't worry about the Back 12. We're coming. You can now, with your media markets, you can now go to any television network and say, yeah, we don't have Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, but we have LA. We have Chicago. We have New York. We have DC. You know, we have the, we soon hopefully we'll have Seattle. Like we, we have, we'll have all the diaspora of the entire country. For viewership, because that's the thing. It's about streaming. It's about getting eyeballs. That's where the money is. So, USC and UCLA didn't worry about a pact. If you're the ACC and the Pac-12, why would you do that? All you're doing is like spinning your wheels, and eventually the SEC and the Big Ten are going to separate anyways. That's my thing as a Florida State fan. Like I was sort of weird when Jimbo wanted to join the SEC, and I'm like, why would you want that? Like you're owning the ACC, and Miami may eventually do something. Clemson, you never know. But like. Who cares? Like you're able, but that's the thing. They slowly weren't able to hang. Georgia, Rick did a good job. Kirby Smart has been able to do a freaking insane job because the money's insane. Bama, see, Bama was a disaster before Saban. Like even with Saban, they didn't just annihilate early, early on. But he was able to separate because of money. Money rules all, as we know in life. It's the same thing in sports, and it's the same thing in college football, let alone college athletics. So, to me. When Jimbo wanted to go, I'm like, why? Why would you do that? Well, he wanted to compete. Look at AM. AM's never won at all, but they have that, they have the oil money for the NIL, but before that, they had the SEC money. The SEC money is serious. And if you're Miami, if you're Florida State, if you're Clemson, yeah, you have a Ruiz and Florida State's done better with boosters and, you know, North Carolina's done pretty interesting recruiting with Mac Brown, so I'm sure they have some kind of money there. But at some point, you're not going to be able to compete with a hundred, double the money, more than, it's, I think it's more than double the money yearly if you're in the SEC compared to the ACC. Like now, again, the SEC has to want you. So, and that's, we haven't heard the SEC extend an invite yet, but the, 
the murmurs are one side, Florida State, Clemson, and either Miami, Carolina, or Virginia could join the SEC. The other side is the ACC and Pac-12 could merge. I'm telling you, I don't understand that at all. I just don't. Like, I for a long time fought it, but being around this world, the sports world as I have, it's business. Screw it. Just accept it. The sooner you accept it, the better. Understand that that's what it is. It's big friggin' business. There's a, again, when you get to the word billions, treat it like the NFL. You know what? Have two major conferences and let's expand the playoffs. Make it like eight, eight to 12 teams. I don't want 12, eight. Make it eight teams, two conferences. If you want to do a conference championship game for each conference, cool. If you want to do a little tournament, cool. I don't even give a shit because the idea of, well, we can't have more games because it's college, first of all. Double A, uh, Division Two or, or FCS has had playoffs forever. Playoff playoffs, like lots of teams playing in the playoffs. They have college. They have school. You never gave a shit about them in school. So why are they any different? So expand the playoffs. It's about money. It's about eyeballs. It's about streams. Accept it and let's go for it. To do what they're going to end up dicking around with this for a year and two years and dragging their feet, which is so stupid. Like the businesses that are proactive are the businesses that succeed. College football. Look at the NFL. The NFL is always going forward, forward, looking for new markets, new shit, new things, and that's why they're number one. Finding a way to, even though their stars wear helmets, they still find a way to promote their stars. You know, so one thing David Stern did with the NBA where he's like, why is this league struggling? Ah, let's promote Larry Bird. Let's promote Magic Johnson. Oh, shit, we have this guy in Chicago out of North Carolina that has a friggin' monster, Michael Jordan. Yeah, let's get with Nike. Let's promote the crap out of this guy. And what did that do? That made the NBA take another step, go to another light year, go to another stratosphere, and supplant baseball. And then eventually the NFL was like, oh, shit, yeah, that's what we should do. Like, let's promote our stars. Let's promote Dan Marino. Let's promote Troy Aikman. Let's promote Emmett Smith. Let's show highlights of Barry Sanders. You know, let's show Michael Irvin talking crap. Let's show all these studs. Let's show Jerry Rice just killing it, you know? And that took the NFL to another stratosphere where it's number one and it's not even close. And the NFL has been smart to just keep going forward. You are reactive, you you die. You're proactive, you win. College football, be proactive. Like, let's learn something. Let's learn from our failures. This is the Defo Show. No Defo, just Luby here on South Florida Live. Uh, doing a lot of ranting. Don't you love my rantings? Um, uh, I did want to touch on the NBA for agency a little bit, so uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. As Donovan Mitchell, uh, look, the Miami Heat's were always big well hunting, right? They're always looking for the big superstar. And right now, the outside of Giannis, LeBron really isn't what he was. He doesn't have that much time left. He's like 37, 38. You know, playing, you're thinking it's the next couple years he's going to be done, right? Kevin Durant is right in that spot where, yeah, he's older at 34, but he still should have four or five years left, at least three to four years at this level. So the fact that he wants to be traded, and he hasn't made a secret of that, he's been the biggest whale fish out there. So I don't mind the Heat trying to go after him. But to me, it's interesting, the murmurs we're hearing about Donovan Mitchell, a guy with the Utah Jazz that has gone to the playoffs every year, even though they gave him, look, Rudy Gobert is an all-star. He's been an all-NBA player, but he's a throwback. He's a great defensive guy who rebounds and can dunk a ball, but has not grown his offensive game on any level. In a league where seven-footers are shooting threes, and it's Al Horford, 6'10", he's old, and now he's become like a three-point shooter because you have to expand the floor. You have to open the floor. The Warriors started it, and the Heat sort of were a forerunner, a positionless, so everyone doing a lot of things. 
So a guy like Rudy Gobert, when it gets to playoff time, gets sort of phased out. And it's Donovan Mitchell's this monster. He's a, a super-duper athlete who can shoot pretty well and has taken a Utah Jazz team that really doesn't have that much else. Mike Conley's okay. To the playoffs every year, and I think they either they were, I think... Up with a chance, they were up. That was it. They were up on the Clippers with a chance to go to the conference finals, and then lost to the Clippers. And Donovan Mitchell's frustrated, and he's been frustrated for a while because he's doing his job, but the organization's not. And look, it's not Utah's fault. They <laughs> free agents aren't going to Utah. Your team players, a lot of the time, may want to leave because it's Utah. And when you're getting to the playoffs every year, you're not drafting super duper high, so it is hard to improve your team, improve the roster. But Mitchell's 25. He has three years left on this contract. But they now traded away Rudy Gobert. They now traded away Royce O'Neal, another decent piece that they had. And the Jazz came out and said, we're trying to build around Mitchell when all they're doing is bringing in draft picks. So to me, like the Heat world has been focused on Durant. I haven't because I think you'd have to give up a hell of a lot to get Durant. And if you're giving up Bam, Hero, Robinson, and picks, look, Butler and KD is as good a one-two punch as we have in the NBA. Right now, with Anthony Davis's injuries, it may be the best one two in the NBA. But then you're you're depleting the roster. You know, to me, Donovan Mitchell is not Kevin Durant, but he's a superstar. He's a top fifteen player in the world, and his only issue has been defense. Well, in Miami, we've seen guys get better at defense, and Miami's great at coaching up defense. And you wouldn't have to give up Bam, hopefully. So my focus has been on Donovan Mitchell. Well, yesterday, some reports, some murmurs came out. Uh, Mitchell talked with the organization, and the organization said, you know, we're doing what's best for us. Okay. That was very clear. They want him to think that they're trying to build around him. They're not. They're rebuilding. Like, Danny Ainge did this exact thing in in Boston. He traded away Garnett, Pierce, Ray Allen, started from scratch, and went young. Got a lot of draft picks. And, look, he did a good job. He built a team that has competed with their—they drafted well, and that's fine. But then you're not—look, Mitchell's 25, and I get it. That's still young, right? So he could be a part of a rebuild, but he's not that 25. He's a guy that's been in the playoffs every year. He's a guy that sniffed the conference finals. He's a guy that wanted more help to really challenge for a title. And now you're telling him, when you do a rebuild, it takes two to three years. Like the draft picks don't just, the NBA, they don't just play right, great right away. Look, look what the, the Grizzlies are winning pretty right away. And it still took, what, wasn't this, I think, Draw's third year? Like, or sec, at least second year. And they still, weren't going to win. Like, you knew that even with John Morant, they were going to lose to the Warriors. Like, you're not winning a title. So, Mitchell, you've already, you're have you not going to be in your four and you're starting over because it's going to take at least two to three years to rebuild. Okay, yeah, 28's not old. You're seeing Durant still contending at 34. But why would you want that? If you have a team like the Heat who wants you, who's winning now and always wins, they don't do the rebuilding thing. They try to win every year. Like, even when I thought they should rebuild and they, they should mail it in, they're like, no, we don't do that. We're going to win... While rebuilding. And that's what they did. They literally went and got Jimmy Butler when there was no way in hell they should have been able to get Jimmy Butler and went to a finals that year. And then two years later went back to the conference finals and almost and were sniffing the NBA finals. So to me, the Jazz are pretty clear what they're doing when it comes to Donovan Mitchell. The Heat have already offered a trade. Like it came out last week that they had offered a trade and then it came out in the last couple of days. The trade was what we thought. It was Hero, Robinson, and like draft picks. Which, if they're trying to get draft picks, Hero is a young dude who hasn't been a star, right? He's a young dude who you may be able to build around. Robinson has a big contract that can match Mitchell's contract. And Robinson is one of the top three or four three-point shooters in the league. 
You know, so he's a guy that you can now build a roster around, a roster with, not around, roster with, with your draft picks. You're going to suck, so you'll get, you can now get your next Mitchell, your next Colbert, maybe even better. And to me, the, the hold off is Mitchell's not happy, but he hasn't asked for a trade yet. The word yesterday, Mitchell did a tweet. You, they tear you, they bring you up to tear you down. I mean, it, I love these cryptic tweets you see from like athletes. Like they're not subtle. It's trying to be subtle without being subtle. And everyone's like, what does that mean? Oh my God. You know what I meant? He's talking about the jazz. He's pissed. Cause the day before it came out, Tuesday it came out that Mitchell had talked to the organization and they said, look, we're doing what we can. We're doing what's best to win or what, whatever, which they're not. They're starting from scratch to rebuild it. It's literally what Ainge did. They just hired a 34 year old coach. Like a 34 year old coach may be good. But he's not winning today. Like, it's going to take him time. Like, yeah, Udoka was in his first year. But Udoka was an assistant for a long time. Like, oh, Udoka's in his 40s. Like, which isn't old, but it's not 34. Like, this dude is not winning tomorrow. So, like, they made it clear what they're doing, which is fine. They, they, you, you weren't win- Look, Mitchell Gobert was not getting past the Warriors, was not getting past the healthy Nuggets, was not getting past the healthy Clippers, wasn't getting past the healthy Lakers. It wasn't getting past the Mavs. Like, you weren't going to win big with Mitchell and Gobert anyways. So I, I'm okay. I, it makes sense that you rebuild, especially since in Utah, unlike Miami where you can attract free agents, you're not attracting free agents. It's just not, you know, the people aren't running to Utah. So like it actually makes sense for what they're doing. But if you're Mitchell, why would you stay? So it came out yesterday. He did his tweet and then reports came out. Mitchell's not happy. Duh. Mitchell is really frustrated. Duh. And what the Heat's trade was, Mitchell is more like is now somewhat likely to go to the Heat. It's not a done deal, but what the Heat have done, Heat fans, I love you. You're frustrated. My dad's like, I'm worried about the Heat. I'm like, why? They were one shot away from the NBA Finals. Um, they lost. Look, PJ Tucker. It's funny because we love hard hustle guy, and I like that about us down here in Miami. Miami, the world of Miami is South Beach and Sizzle and whatever. But Miami Heat basketball is not. Miami basketball is tough, 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 and we embrace tough, and I love that. But Spolstra's new age. Spolstra's positionless and scoring and beautiful basketball. So it's a great combo. You get the beauty and the artistry of the modern game, shooting threes, but you still have an, inti- an, an intention of playing defense and playing old school. So it's the merging of both. And that's why when their culture's right, which it is now, the chemistry's right, they, they get on these streaks because these other teams don't have both. You saw the Celtics struggle to like play. They played smart because Yudoka did a really good job. But they weren't, the chemistry wasn't always there. Remember the heat it was. So you don't want to mess with that. And Tucker fit right in. That's what they were missing last year that they had two years ago in Crowder. They lost Crowder last year. They didn't have either. And they struggled with intensity and toughness. Tucker brought that. So Tucker was important. And you wanted to keep Tucker. But they were offering him like two years. And I think it was like less than 20 million. He got three years, 33. So not only he got more each year, he got an extra year at 11 million. So he got probably 12 to 15 more million dollars to go to Philly. He couldn't do that, and he weren't going to do that. Like, he's 37 right now, and he all, yes, he got hurt. He's banged up. The guy plays a physical brand of basketball, and he's older, and he's undersized. Like, I'm not saying he's done now. You're not getting that third year. That third year, which the Heat did not want to give him, he's either not going to play at all or be useless, and it's guaranteed at $11 million a year. So the Heat, who P.J. Tucker made them good and made them really close to the finals, and they wanted to keep him, he's still a tertiary role player. You know, might be a starter, at times, but he's not a star. Like, if you can work the the contract so that you can go get a Durant or Mitchell, you have to. 
So Heat fans are like freaking out. Oh my God, what do we do? We, we haven't made a move. Yeah, there's a reason they haven't made a move. Like, they, first of all, they brought back Oladipo, which I've talked about this week. People don't get that's huge. Like, yes, Oladipo's offense wasn't great. But his issue before this year, people thought he was done because of injuries. Two full years, he was hurt, okay? Well, he had, didn't play all year this year. He comes in in the playoffs and was their third best defensive player. Like, he was. Like, it was Butler, Tucker, then him. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Butler, Bam, then Oladipo. Even before Tucker, Oladipo was a better defensive player for the Heat than Tucker. Oladipo showed athleticism. He was able to get to the basket. He was making moves. So he looked healthy. Well, if you haven't played basketball in three years, your offensive game is going to suffer. So this is first healthy offseason. Off Oladipo gets in the gym, and he's hungry. He wants to prove that the dude was an all-NBA player. Like, this is two years ago. So, or three years ago now. Like, that was a huge signing, and they got him for nothing. And now the work comes out. They rework the deal. It's not when you're 11. It's two years, like, I think like 18 or something. Like each year's less money, and it's two years now. So you spread it out. So that gives them more money. Yeah, they go and get K, re-sign Caleb Martin to a decent contract. But because they re-signed him now, they can trade him if they want to. And the way they worked out the salaries, they now have money and assets to put together a real deal for a, a Durant or a Mitchell. So to me... I love that they've done not signed these TJ Warrens. Yeah, it'd be cool, but what are the guys, those guys going to do for you? So in the NBA offseason, which everyone loves, and especially the Miami Heat and fans are freaking out, I'm like, first of all, they were one shot away from the NBA Finals. They're bringing back everyone except for P.J. Tucker, but Oladipo now with a healthy offseason should be better than he was. So that gives you that toughness, that grit. You still have scoring possibilities, and Lowry is supposedly going to work on himself. So even if they don't make any moves, this team is a contender in the Eastern Conference slash NBA. However, they're not doing all these things for nothing. And the Mitchell hubbub is real. And again, like we've seen with the Heat, when it gets quiet is when things happen. You're hearing nothing from the Heat. You're not seeing them sign anyone. Look, a lot of people might not remember. The Heat weren't in it for Shaq. Shaq wanted to trade. Shaq wasn't happy. The whole Kobe thing. And there were a few teams that were discussed. The Heat weren't talked about at all. One day out of nowhere, the Heat trade for Shaquille O'Neal. Cool. Heat go to the conference finals. The Heat then, yeah, Udonis has them. There you go. The Heat go to the conference finals. Then the next year, the Heat win the NBA final, win the NBA title. Cool. LeBron, that offseason was supposed to be, they were going to hopefully re sign Dwayne Wade and possibly get Chris Bosch or Amari Sotomayor because they were good, but they needed something else to be a contender, to be good. Stephen A throws out something about LeBron to Miami. Eh. I thought it was Chicago, New York, or he was going to stay in Cleveland. To me, he was probably going to stay in Cleveland. I really. Didn't think he would, maybe New York, try and win in New York. You know, they hadn't won. Out of nowhere, taking my talents to South Beach. So when the Heat made, Jimmy Butler, the Heat, even guys like Zach Lowe have actually respected the Heat. We're like, yeah, the Heat are fucked. They put, gave all this money to all these bad contracts. They don't have any young pieces anyone wants. They don't have draft picks because they hate draft picks. They're screwed. The Heat somehow convinced Jimmy Butler, nah, screw Philly, come here. We'll build around you. Everyone thinks you're the third guy, maybe the second guy. No, you're a number one. You can be a number one on a contender. Come to Miami and we'll show you. And that's what they did. They got rid of all the bad contracts somehow because Riley's great at that. They got they drafted well with something they've never really done outside of Dwayne Wade. And they were in the NBA Finals that year. So they've done this. This is what the Heat do. So I'm really interested to see what happens. And I, Durant, to me, I think he's going to Phoenix. It just, Phoenix really wants him. He really wants to be there. And I didn't, I didn't think about it, but 
if they can give up, they can give, they can give up Aiton. They can give up Bridges, who are really good players. Like Bridges was as good, if not better than Hero. And Aiton, who, yes, in the playoffs gets sized out, but that's two legit starters, if not guys that are borderline all stars. And you don't have to give up Booker. The Heat to match that would have to give up Bam, and you don't want to give up Bam. Like the, the whole point of getting a Durant is to have Durant, Bam, and Butler. Then you're the best team in the NBA. Then you can compete with the Warriors. Then you can win a title. You give up Bam, yeah, you're a contender in the East. You're not beating the Warriors. You're not beating the Nuggets. You're not beating the healthy Clippers. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's what. But that's what it was. They gave. They didn't give up any. Like Durant's. Durant's gonna. You're gonna have to give up draft picks. And I'm talking to Julian in the chat. Durant, you're gonna have to give up draft picks, and you're also gonna have to give up. They said they made it clear they want an All Star at least. At least an all-star. But, yeah, okay, Phoenix might not give up an all-star, but Bridges averaged 20-something and was in the defensive player of the year voting. Like, he was like third in defensive player of the year. So the dude can score and play defense. Aiton, until the playoffs, was really good this year. And he's a big, and if you can convince him to play some freaking defense and teach, look, the guy is really good offensively, right? So why can't he go and shoot a three, right? So to me, I thought that his package was better even without Bam. Now, I, unless you throw Bam in, you can't compete with Phoenix's package. Um, and then, and if you're Phoenix, you get Durant and get to keep CP3 and Booker. So you're right now the best team in the West, or you're right there with a healthy Warriors and a healthy Clippers. So I've almost accepted that KD's going to Phoenix. And not that I'm happy about it, but to me as a Heat fan, you can Mitchell's nine years younger. Mitchell scores, passes, rebounds, and has shown he can play defense. He just sort of, eh. Defense, right? Well, if you put him with a bunch of other dogs on defense, he's going to play defense. And you don't have to give a bam. So you could have, if they can make it happen, again, Mitchell has to want out. But if you're Miami, you then have Jimmy Butler, who's now a top 10 player in the NBA. Like the, what he does in the playoffs, the only guy better the last couple years is LeBron and Giannis in the playoffs. Like Jimmy Butler is as good a playoff player as we've seen. And then the regular season, he's great too. So Jimmy Butler is a top 10 player. Cool. You have all you have. Bam, one of the best big men in the game, all right? Defensive player of the year candidate and is really good offensively, just has to become more aggressive and they're already working on it. You have Tyler, you would have, you would give up Hero, you'd give up Robinson, you'd give up Picks to get Donovan Mitchell. But you would still have Lowry, but now Lowry, Lowry's still your third or fourth dude. You have Oladipo, who's hungry, still young, now healthy, will have a full off season to work on his offense. And then you add Donovan Mitchell, one of the top 15 players in the game. Like to me, you're scary. And you didn't have to give up Bam, and he's younger. And now you're going younger because that's the problem with getting a Durant. Durant's 34. So now you're having 30, what is he, 35? Jimmy Butler, 32, 33. But his body, because of how physical he plays and playing in Chicago and being physical in Minnesota and Philadelphia now with the Heat, like he's old. He's older. He still can play. He's now actually in his prime. This is the best he's ever played. But you have a 34-year-old Durant. You're now going from a young and old build to old. You get Mitchell. He's 25. Oladipo, you probably would have to eventually lose an Oladipo, but you now have Bam and Mitchell for now and for your next build-out. And Bam isn't Gobert. Bam averaged 19 and 10 last year. Like, Bam is a guy that can shoot a jumper. Bam's a guy that can put on the floor. Bam's a guy that can pass. Bam's a modern-day big. Bam's a guy who's six, eight, six, nine, but can defend fives and can also defend ones. He can literally defend one through five. He's the best defensive player in basketball right now because he it's not just on the ball. He's good off the ball. He can do it all. And he has offensive talent. We saw him go for like almost 40 in the conference finals. He's just not aggressive, but they're working on that now. So to me, if it's a consolation of Donovan Mitchell, that's a win. Now it hasn't happened yet. Uh, the Jazz, you know, are pussyfooting around. 
But the growing frustration from Donovan Mitchell makes it feel like in the coming days it'll happen. And I think that's a win for the Heat. And I think that's a loss for the rest of the league. So we talked a little bit of Miami Heat as we like our Heat. And yes, it's the offseason. But look, default, I waited to the end of the show to do it. I talked about my youth basketball first. <laughs> I talked about the college football news. I talked about the Marlins, Los Marlene. They ended their six-game winning streak last night. Shohei Otani was insane. Center another historical mark as he had two RBIs, pitched seven innings without giving up an earned run. I think had double-digit strikeouts and also had a stolen base. As the guys are reigning MVP in the American League and is actually somehow better this year. So if you're going to lose uh, your winning streak, that's the team and the moment to lose it. Trout played was interesting. So we talked about that. And then I finished the show talking about NBA offseason. I appreciate everyone that stuck around with me this morning. Tomorrow we will have a degenerate Friday. The professor will have another hilarious big board top five. And we will have the Gambling Gourmet Mike Mayo at 8.35, as we do each and every Friday. Coming up at 12 p.m., you get Mike Mayo in his other role as food critic. Today on a Visit Lauderdale, Everyone Under the Sun, Every Dish Under the Sun Thursday, as we are live from Jackson's, you know, the great Jackson's ice cream place, but also has great food in Dania Beach. So tune in at 12 p.m. to Mike Mayo, the amazing Nikki Mohan, and myself, I'll be there in tow doing my thing a little on air, a little behind the scenes. I do a little bit of it all, as I do here. Really appreciate everyone who joined in on the Hialeah Park Tribute Challenge. Please, at uh, 12 o'clock, join the Lunchbox. And join me tonight at 6.30 at Landlubbers for the absent default, Mr. Atlantic City, for Dave Gurgles Gurgly. Thank you, everyone who joined in. Hopefully you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you tomorrow morning right here at 7 a.m. on the Defoe Show Without Defoe, Just Luby, on South Florida Live. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.